Happy Friday, everybody. I'm glad y'all love jamming out to the theme song, honey. And I'm here for it. Thank you guys for joining me. I got my co-host with me tonight, who is Emily. What up, Emily? <laughs> hey, everyone. I saw uh, someone wrote in the comment. They asked if someone's dick got leaked again. <laughs> they said if somebody did what? They said, oh, Emily's here. Did someone's dick get leaked again? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the only time we podcast is when somebody goes viral for for leaking their peen pics um child there was definitely a lot of nudity frontal nudity this season on euphoria hell even the first season it was a lot um but i'm just we we have so much to catch up on and talk about this show was definitely definitely a trip the second season to me i really loved the first I think the second season was good, episodes one through about six. Seven and eight just totally lost me. Yeah, I the I liked episodes seven and eight, but they weren't my favorite, I guess. It it was really confusing the way that um with the play. Like mm-hmm. you didn't know what actually was going on, what was real the way I guess they kept going from reality to the play and I didn't know which one was which, but I still thought it was a good season, but I, they weren't my favorite episodes. Yeah, it was a lot going on. And I'll say episode seven for me, when they started the whole play thing, for me personally, I wasn't really feeling it. Like I get it. That's Lexi's thing. She wants to be a playwright and all this stuff. But I, I kind of didn't like the way how everybody makes it seem like Lexi's so innocent. And me and you had this conversation and I just feel like people give Lexi like way too much credit. I think that whole play was a slap in the face. Yeah. Well, I thought the play was messy as hell. Like, I guess I really do like Lexi's character. Um, She's super relatable. I guess maybe that's one of the reasons that I like her for me. But I think the play was really messy. And for her to assume that people wouldn't be mad, she's putting everybody's business out there and they didn't really know. So Mm -hmm. for her to like how she was kind of like interrogating fast, like, oh, do you think they're going to be mad? Do you think they're not? If you got to ask somebody that many times, if you think someone's going to be mad, then you're probably doing something that's kind of messy. Had she just owned it and been like, look, I'm doing this for myself. This is my thing. This is how I'm expressing myself. Whatever it is, what it is. But for her to kind of act like she was so innocent and wasn't trying to hurt anyone, which I do think is the case. But I mean, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. It was messy. It was so messy. It was. And especially the way she was doing her sister. Like, we all know Cassie, child. Crybaby Cassie. We know she got on our nerves. We know she was wrong for what she did with Nate. But it was like a lot of gaslighting, underhanded, I'm going to throw a rock and hide my hands. That's the vibe I get from Lexi. And I was not here for it. Because I'm like, if you're going to do that, then you need to own it. I was tired of the white girl tears. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. And oh my God, and everybody's mad That's at like me. That's like her and- sister. 
Right. That's the cryest damn family I've ever seen in my life. They are quick to cry. But (laughs) I like, and like I said, I do like Lexi, but she was being Mm -hmm. like the whole carousel thing. Like, why she got to do her sister like that with the girl riding the carousel? Oh, I love fucking, you know, like just the way she represented her sister was shitty. Like at the end of the day, that's still your sister. Yeah. And it came off with a lot of like jealous undertones. And another thing, like I was saying, when we was talking all in Telegraph, now, if I want to act like, oh, Lexi's so innocent because she ain't out there fucking everything that moves. But let's keep it real. Who's her biggest crush? Fesco, a drug dealing thug. You know what I'm saying? A hood booger. Why ain't Lexi dating that dude that's in the acting program with her? The one that was messing with the big girl that got dumped? I think that'd have been a perfect match for Lexi. She wasn't yes. checking for him. She wanted that bad boy peen. Yeah, yeah. Which Okay, so according to... <laughs> you're right, you're right. According to the show, I get the reason that she liked Fez because she is shy. And usually if you're more of like a shy girl, usually the you're going to, I guess, be more attracted to someone who is more confident and will approach you that you don't have to approach. And she liked the fact that he asked her so many. He seemed genuinely interested in her and asked her a bunch of what Ruse asked her so many questions about herself. So I, I, I'm here for the relationship. I like it. I like what they, what they call it. Fexy. Is that it? Yeah. That's what they call it on uh, Reddit and stuff. Fexy. Yeah. yeah because people wanted them to be together. Yeah. I thought, you know, I, and I thought they were a cute couple and she bought another side out of uh, Fesco and he bought a side out of her. But I just hate the fact that her fans try to act like she's so much innocent and she's above reproach. If you say anything about her, oh, you're just mean. The other characters are way more effed up. And it's like all of these kids no. have issues. None of them are innocent. Yeah, yeah. The 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 crying can go because I think we get enough of that from Cassie. But I mean, they are sisters, so they're going to have similar traits. I mean usually you're going to have the similarities as you are with like your family. Cause you kind of grew up the same usually. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, Lexi's no angel. Like, I don't feel like that's cool for them to say that you can't say anything about her, but I think what it is, is she's just a very relatable character and maybe, I don't know. They see like the way that Cassie is toward her. Cause one thing I didn't like Cassie had the right to be upset about the play, but for her to get up on stage, like Cassie, it's always been about you. It's always Mm -hmm. about you. And right now it's your sister's play and it's about her. And you somehow got to take your ass up there and make it about you. Now, granted, Lexi made a lot of the play about her. So I get it. Like I kind of get both sides, but it's like, damn, Cassie, you can't just have a seat and sit down for one minute without making shit about you. Exactly. I I personally think that the whole play situation should have been done in one episode. Like it shouldn't have been any cutaways. They should have just did this weird, strange play in one episode. Because it's like, how many times are we going to hear Rue's father's, you know, eulogy? And why do you have it memorized? Like, that's weird. (laughs) Nobody else thought that strange that she had the the eulogy memorized. And like, literally, it went on for episode seven, episode eight. And it's just like, okay, we're back here at the funeral again. And I was over it at that point. And then another thing, I just felt like they should have focused on that. And then either made a whole nother season, not season, a whole nother episode. Like, let's say they did an episode nine. That should have just focused on the whole Nate Jacobs and Fesco situation. I feel like they really rushed season eight, the last episode, because I was just kind of left 
really disappointed. Like, what the hell did I just watch? Because everything else was good kind of leading up to that. And, you know, and then Elliot, bless his heart, he, you know, the cute little Filipino boy. Yeah. <laughs> shout out that long ass ukulele song. That, he- that was long. <laughs> that was a really long song. this? <laughs> I said, y'all got him playing a damn ukulele and singing. Where's Lori, the one that was supposedly supposed to put, you know, ruin to sexual slavery? Like, it was all these people, all these characters that we had in season two and they just disappear. There's just like no more backstory. We don't know whatever happened to them. Was there somebody in the closet? Like, how do you just leave us hanging? But yet we get this rendition of, you know what I'm saying? Elliot's song. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a little underwhelming. And I, I, I hate when, and I know a lot of seasons do it. I know Game of Thrones did it, but I don't know. I, I hate when the seasons lead or end on cliffhangers, especially since it's going to be like, what, two more years since we get season three. But I just, I don't like when they do that. I feel like it's kind of just like a cheap way to end things and get people excited for the next season. I would have liked to have had a little bit more. I agree. It definitely felt rushed. Um, but yeah, it's like, are, are we could just completely forgetting about like the, the drug dealer that's owed 10 grand that is clearly like right. oh, that life. That's not a thing. Nobody's worried about that. Like that just, oh, well, it got flushed. No big deal. Like what, what the fuck? Where is she? Right. And where, like, what really happened to the suitcase worth of drugs? I refuse to believe that they flushed that many drugs down the, you know, the toilet and it didn't just mess up their entire plumbing system. Exactly. That would, no way. (laughs) Cause there was fentanyl patches. There was all kind of shit that you just can't just flush for one. But another thing, like you said, it would have messed the plumbing up. I mean, there's a lot of holes in the story and I just can't believe that her mom would be so naive to think that this is her personal stash like right got to be more to the story than that but i guess we'll see in season three but i, I would four years a little bit more <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> next decade right yeah they should i just felt like it was it needed to be more written well now somebody wrote this in the chat uh dugana says lexi and cassie are passive aggressive in different ways they are both jealous of each other for different reasons lexi wants to live vicariously through cassie but she's insecure about herself cassie wants the attention that her mother gives lexi but their personalities crash i think that's a really good point I do too. And you know, I, I really do like their mom though. Their mom is a trip. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's an alcoholic, but she's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, she's, she's funny. Yeah. I like how she held uh, Cassie accountable. She was like, yeah, I don't think that's an airtight argument. <laughs> don't fuck your best friend's boyfriend. Um, but yeah, no, that, that is definitely true. Just like um, you and I had talked about when uh, Lexi didn't get the titties or whatever. And she's like, well, I don't want to be known for my body. Yes, you did. You right. did, but you didn't get it. So now you're going with a different approach, which is fine. But yeah, I definitely agree. Passive aggressive for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then another thing I wanted to touch on that went on, you know, in that last episode was the whole Nate Jacobs thing. Like oh. that kind of bothered me, you know, because I'm like, I thought he was like on some murder suicide thing. He had the gun. He had the beer. It was all dramatically shot and shit. So I'm thinking he's about to go drive himself off of a cliff then he shows up at this warehouse and his daddy, Cal, is there with, like, all types of weirdo, you know, whatever they got going on, honey. Some type of, you know, probably an orgy or something was getting ready to take place. But Nate walks in there. I, I don't know if you guys got this vibe, but I told you I've been feeling this for a while. 
I get a vibe that Nate was possibly molested by his father. I just get molestation vibes. Yeah, I did too. It's their their relationship is really weird, and he's so overly angry at Nate, and Nate has a lot of hatred towards him, even though he tries to go out his way to have his dad's back. But I've always felt like maybe him watching that porn at such a young age, I know that Cal found out that Nate was going in his stash. Like, I feel like Cal knew and maybe used that as a way to groom his son because Nate has a lot of issues sexually, you know, and the fact that you're watching your dad do all of this stuff on camera and he... I feel like the hatred that he has towards Nate is because he knows that Nate knows his secret. And I just get molestation tease. Yeah, I did too. And also, I I want to know, where's the other brother? Like, uh, In that picture? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what? If they, I thought they might have touched on that, but I maybe I missed it. I didn't get any no, clues. No, they didn't. Yeah, I didn't get any clues throughout the series. And then when he was saying, I should have protected you, I'm like wondering from what, like, I mean, I get like, okay, maybe I should have done job a better job at hiding like the issues that I was having or like my, my kinks and stuff. But the way mm-hmm. that he was implying it, it was like something bad happened and he didn't right. take him from it. So yeah, I've, I've got that. Because too. even Nate said in there, um, somebody mentioned in the chat, Nate was like, um, he had dreams about his dad raping him. That's not normal. No, that like, isn't. you know, what I'm saying that's not normal. Like, who dreams about their dad raping them. So it's almost like, you know, did he think it was a dream, but the daddy was really touching him, you know, when he was young. I just feel like there's more underneath the surface. And my thing is, let's talk about the gun incident that happened in episode six. That when he crazy. went into um, what's her name? He went into her house and put the gun on her Me. to get huh? Maddie. Yeah, Maddie. Yep. Thank you. He went to her house and, you know, put the gun in her head and everything to get the videotape back. Then he gave a copy to um to Jules. The, to Jules. Why am I forgetting about his name all of a sudden? <laughs> to Jules. And my thing is if he went that hard where he put a gun to her head, which was very triggering for a lot of people, yeah. including myself, and then he gave it to Jules. I really thought when they when he had the gun, when he went in there with the gun, I thought that he was about to blow his dad away. That was what I was thinking was going to happen. And then it's like he's he put everything on a little SD card or whatever and called the police. Well, why did you, you know, what was the point of you doing that? You literally harassed Maddie and scared her to death. Anything could have happened with that gun. It could have accidentally went off, you know, God forbid. And then he just calls the police casually on his father. It's a very sadistic. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me either, um, because like you said, he went so hard on that, and it, I, they were saying like, okay, he doesn't give a shit about his dad, but he does care about his dad's business, and nobody wants to buy homes from, you know, so he, they made it out like he did not want that information out, and that's why he did all that to Maddie, and it was almost like, so what was the whole fucking point in all that? And mm-hmm. uh Back to the the thing with him molesting, I just now thought about it. But I don't know if you remember in season one, episode two, where they did the backstory on Nate. Mm-hmm. And he was a little kid and he was like laying in the bed and he had like the covers over his head and his like dad came in. Mm-hmm. I thought that and when that episode happened, I thought he was going to molest him or something because it kept showing like all the weird porn and stuff like that that he was watching. Right. So it was it. Maybe I'm just crazy or something or weird, but I, I don't know. That's kind of how I 
thought when you were talking about the whole molesting thing. But back to him and the gun and all that shit. It's almost now like he just enjoys torturing Maddie because it doesn't make any sense why he did all that. Like, did he just want to be in control of the situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely comes off as a narcissist to me. Oh, yeah. Definitely 100%. You know, and I just... That that ending just like didn't sit well with me because I'm like you put that girl through all that torture just to basically call the police on your daddy like child bye <laughs> okay <laughs> was he trying right. to get back in her good graces because he still loves her like why did he do that right so now we're gonna hit on the most craziest part of the final season was everything that went down with Fesco and Ashtray. And so we see Fez, he's getting dressed, he's getting ready to go to Lexi's play. And, you know, he's looking good, he's looking dapper. Right. And then the other guy comes to the house. And this is the point where I was like, I didn't know if I trusted Faye. Because I'm like, is Faye trying to set him up? Like, what's the deal with her, you know? And Faye ends up actually looking out for Fesco. I believe that the guy that came in, unless I missed it, I think he was wired. I think that he was wearing a wire and he was trying to record to, you know, to say that Ashtray and Fez killed his partner because remember, Faye kept saying, no, it wasn't them. It was Lori, the drug dealer. You remember Lori? And he was looking shocked, like, hold on, what are you talking about? Why are you changing the story? So, okay, so he was recording on his phone. I thought he was. Okay, perfect. I, that's what I that's felt like he was recording. Okay, but I I wasn't sure if I saw it or not, but I felt like this was being recorded because once Ashtray, you know, killed him, you know, Fesco was like, the police are coming, the police are going to be here. I did not like that shootout. I didn't, it was, it was too over the top for me. You know, I just did not like how it went. Um, I get like, you know, the, the dramatics and things like that, but you want to tell me that, these police officers are shooting the bathroom where Ash in. He's hiding in the tub or whatever. They're able to blast the toilet that is on the same level as the bathtub, but Ash doesn't get shot at all. And then he comes out like a 15-year-old Rambo and shoots a cop, and then he gets, you know, shot. I just didn't like it. It was just, it was too over the top for me. It was too over the top. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think that was why I could be wrong, but I think that's why Fez grabbed his phone and put it in that drink was because uh, he was recording on his phone, which by the way, I love Faye. Like if she would have sold him out, I wouldn't have liked her anymore, but I love her character. But Mm -hmm. Ash was one of my favorite characters. And so obviously I'm a little salty about that, but I, I didn't understand. Like, why did he do that? Like, why did he kill the guy it just it didn't make any sense i mean I, I guess i get why they were why he did but i don't know i just like you said it was just a little over the top like they he was telling them to go all right you need to go they didn't have anything on them of admitting to anything like he should have just let let him go but i read a bunch of different things online about how he just uh you know some people's theory was he would rather just die than live without Fez because, you know, he really looked out for him. But it's damn near like Ash was the big brother and Fez was the little one. But mm-hmm. um, the way that it went out was just, it was a lot. It, it really was. It was very intense, but extra in a way. Yeah. 
I mean, to me, Astra is a baby psychopath. I don't care. As much as I like him and his character, let's keep it real. This is like his second murder. And we just met them a year ago. So who knows who he's killed? (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Who knows who he's killed since the age of five? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) You know? now. But think about, like, Ashtray as a grown adult. Like, that would be right. terrifying. And the way that he was, <laughs> the way that he was pretending to be dead. We can't hear you. <laughs> you got to sit still. We can't hear oh, you. Sorry, I was moving. But the way he was pretending to be dead, you know, in the bathroom, mm-hmm. when the cops come in and then he starts firing off. It, yeah, he, yeah I, it was just crazy. Yeah, he was definitely catching bodies like these last two seasons. I'm like, the most bouted one is Ashtray. And then another thing that was so over the top is that they had the nerve to pan into the grandmother's room and she's just knocked out sleep. Ma'am, you don't hear any of this? You don't feel any of this weird energy in your home? Okay, ma'am, just continue to sleep silently. I'm like, no, they didn't peek into the grandmother's room. I'm, I'm really confused about that whole thing as well. Like, I'm assuming, what, did she just have a stroke and she's just kind of like comatose forever? Right. I, I'm not really sure what is going on with her, but it's like she owned all this stuff and, you know, Fez is young and so Ashtray is young, so they're just allowed to just run the store. Like, just nobody goes to school. In the family, there's no like welfare check on these kids. It's just weird. Yeah. And not to mention, like, in a situation like that, um, usually, like, for some, if someone living in that state, they usually require some type of like at home health care. Right. Like, you know, someone has to come in and turn them so they don't get bed sores. And like, there's a lot that goes into that. And no, you know, I mean, I know it's a story. and I'm not trying to, like, get too deep into it. But there's just a lot of holes in that plot. Like, where's yeah, there is. I mean, there's no way Ashtray's going to school. Is he just undocumented? How does he, you know? <laughs> it's like, if y'all can just add random frontal nudity, we can get a bit more backstory on, you know, what's going on with the whole Fez and Ashtray situation as far as, like, who's checking on them? Because these yeah. are technically teenagers living by themselves, running a drug bend, and then running that store. So the whole situation is like really over the top. But we're going to go ahead and start taking in some calls. I want to know your thoughts on episode eight, season two of Euphoria. So I'm going to start bringing some of y'all on stage. Make sure you're muted until I call your name. Let's see here. Got a few people on. So let me go ahead. Um... Taylor Joy, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Oh my goodness. Hi, Auntie. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Good. Okay, so I am obsessed with Euphoria. I have been watching from day one. So a couple things about the Fez and Ashtray thing. Um, I do know that on like the season two, episode one, how they were talking about um like Fez doesn't really have family, like he um his grandma went in and popped his dad in that like strip club thing right. popped him in the leg so he's not around anymore and then someone had gave ashtray to the grandma as collateral so as a baby so that's probably why he's not like undocumented or that's why he is undocumented because he's like a collateral baby and the girl never came and got him like the mom never came and got him mm-hmm. and so that's why people aren't um like looking for him and then I um I feel the same way about um that you do about Faye as well like I will keep up with well sorry mess with Faye now after she uh said it I wish she would have said something a little faster because she knew for a couple days and didn't say anything 
And also there was this thread on Twitter that was talking about euphoria. And that guy had also planted a phone like in the plants as soon as he walked in the house. So there's another phone in there, the one that he had on the table as well as the one that was um, planted like in the plants when he walked in. Oh, did he? Okay, so there was a few of them in there. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to say that I hate jewels, like with my whole heart. And um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are scared to say that because they don't want to like be like seen as transphobic. Yeah. And it's not that like I could care less. I really could care less. She's just the shitty person. Like she's just a shitty person. And so is Rue. Rue's a shitty person, but I understand that she, like, I see addiction as a, as a disease. Like, it, it truly is a disease, and it's something that she's struggling with. And mm-hmm. I know Zendaya was talking about how Rue has redeemable qualities, and it was really hard for me to see that, like, very hard for me to see that until after she talked to Ali. And that's when I was like, okay, she might not, because she's so manipulative. She is so manipulative, right. and it shows that in the show. But I was like, okay, maybe she does. Like, maybe she does not actually truly not want to be the way that she is. Because from the beginning, we've seen, like, from episode one of season one, she said, I don't want to be clean. Like, I have no intentions on being clean. But now I feel like maybe she does. Like, she does want to change. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in 2034. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm about to be hell old. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, do I even, am I going to care about what these teenagers are doing? Like, what is going on? Exactly. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It was good talking to you. Of course. Thank you. You're welcome. So let me go ahead and bring on um, our ex, Shiki. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hi, T. Yes, for Shiki, like for Shiki from Lion King. Okay, <laughs> <Sorry>. love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. My name is Rochelle. Um, but yeah, uh, I really... Didn't really like season two. Um, I watched all of it so far, considering I guess that's the end. But um, I had to say about Lexi, I do think that she really is like more of a neutral character. Like, I don't think she was either like trying to do anything negative or positive with the play, more like just bring attention to what when their friendships all kind of started to dissipate, you know, like because what she was like bringing light to was when Rue's dad died, like that's when their whole little friend group kind of started breaking up, you know, because that's when Rue really went off the deep end with the drugs. I, I know, obviously, it showed that she was starting it when her dad was sick, but, like, she mm-hmm. took a deep, like, nosedive, like, when her dad actually died. And I think that's when she was showing how, like, her and Kat and Maddie and Cassie and Lexi all kind of, like, started going their separate ways, like, when it happened. And that's what Lexi was trying to showcase. Um, maybe she wasn't really trying to, like, bring focus to the death itself, but the fact that that's when, like, the, the foundation really, really, like, cracked apart. Like, you know, how like in a house like the foundation could be like somewhat cracked and that's not necessarily a bad thing because house the house is shift because the world moves the earth itself is moving and right. um but that's when the house like actually was on some seriously unstable foundation like where a collapse could happen like you know when like the collapse um that they're having in like all the over the uh, United States like with the hotels and stuff that fell the apartments I'm not sure if it was a hotel or apartment not too long ago that fell like I think mm-hmm. that's what she was just showing like that like how it all fell apart and like at that moment like that's when like the climax of the fall apart happens so that's why I thought about the little play like her focusing on that one scene I think that's really what it was but the scene with Cassie on the um horse was a little unnecessary though because we know she did it we have to bring it back to you know like the highlight reel so 
Right. So, yeah. yeah, she was definitely being messy. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go ahead and bring on some more callers. It was good talking to you. Yes, ma'am. All right. Bye. So let me go ahead and bring on um, Alex Taria. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Okay, he must not be ready. Um, Michelle, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Michelle? All right, make sure you guys are ready. Um, Brandon, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello, can you hear me? Hi, I can hear you. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm good. I have like, a, I liked season two. I didn't think season two was horrible. Um, my problems are mainly with this Nate storyline. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, Sam Levinson said that for this season, this was going to be a Nate redemption arc. But if that's the case, like, you failed miserably because he just comes off as dumb and confused. Like, I feel like the motivation this season was that he was going to try and save his dad and then was kind of like, you know what, they're like, you're a lost cause. Like, there's no point in saving you. But if that's the case, I didn't understand if like, why would he go over there with a gun to intimidate Maddie to get the CD? Like, what did he really think Maddie was going to do with this CD? Because if he was worried Maddie was going to go to the cops with the CD, you did that anyways. You brought the you brought all that evidence to the cops. So what was the point in bringing a gun there and traumatizing her? Because you could get in big trouble. They could really send Nate to jail if she had all that on camera. Like mm-hmm. she could really bring him to the cops and get him in big trouble. And then all he did all that just to give the CD to hunt to um Jules. And like mm-hmm. that to me was a bit questionable morally because Jules is literally the victim of a serious crime and you're gonna give her this C- CD. But so is that she, she really can... a victim though? Like, come on. That was a good Granted, point. she's underage, but she was selling yeah. ass. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? She really, it's not like he went to Mm -hmm. her and like raped her in her bedroom. Like that's That's what she was doing and that's what she was promoting. But granted, she's underage, but she's not technically a victim victim because she was prostituting herself. It is like weird. It's very weird, right? So she could like rewatch it. It was just, I don't know. It would have made more sense if he took the CD and then just destroyed it. Because then at least it would have, I, I don't know, it just didn't make any sense that you went through all that just to do something that Maddie was, in the original script, Maddie was just going to do that herself. It just didn't make any sense that Sam included Nate in that whole part, in that whole part of the story. It just didn't, I don't, it just didn't make any sense. Like, the only problem that I have with the show is that he needs a writer's room because I feel like we get so many ideas and so many plots that are like they have good ideas and then he just doesn't know what to do with them or he just flat out forgets them. Like he'll bring characters like McKay and then forget about them. Yeah, it's like or, what happened to McKay? We haven't seen him since right. when they got into it on like the first episode of the second season. 
Yeah, and then that didn't go anywhere. Or we had the plot with the dress where he, she was, Maddie was babysitting the was babysitting this mm-hmm. was babysitting the kid and the mom was a little creepy like yeah, I, I just thought, got vibes like she was trying to like turn maddie out I that's what, that's the vibes, vibes i got because one i was like you set this up like it was this big serious like there could be huge consequences to her going through this woman's wardrobe and then they they brought up the clock because if you noticed there was a clock with a camera and then in the last episode, she gave Maddie the dress that she was wearing. And to me, mm. I just thought that was so creepy. I was like, oh, so my you God. Think I would she's be... been watching her in that closet yes. trying on those clothes. Like, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been happy. I would have been, like, freaked out. I would have been so, like, oh, my God. Like, you were spying on me, like, the whole time. Like, Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just came. And she was drinking movie. with her too. And Maddie's a teenager. It was a lot of weird adult teenage situations in this mm-hmm. show. I will say or, that even when Nate was drinking mm-hmm. with his mom, like they were just he was drinking like a fish with his mom, and it's like he's yeah. not even twenty one yet. So it's very it's very interesting how all of these supposed kids are in very mm-hmm. adult situations. You know, even with Jules lying about her age, selling ass. Nate, Mm -hmm. you know, casually drinking all the time, even with his parents. And then, like you said, the lady um, that Maddie was babysitting for, they were drinking and talking like they were best friends. Mm -hmm. And even with the cool mom, uh, Cassie and Lexi's mom, she allowed the girls to drink with her at her house. Yeah, it's just really, very weird. I don't know. I feel like Sam comes up with so many ideas and he has all these characters and then we focus too much on like some characters and then other characters like McKay or Kat, especially Kat and Jules get like paid dust, you know? I just feel like if he had like a writer's room or at least some other people to keep him in check, the show would just fit, would just, I don't know, it would be, it would be more watchable, you know? Okay. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Brandon. It was good talking to you. All right. Emily, you got anything you want to add? He made some good points. Yeah, he did. And one thing I um I forgot about, but man, Nate's mom is just fucking trash. Like that woman, that conversation that she had with her son, like, I don't know, I guess because I have a son. If I ever in my life thought that my son like physically assaulted a girl, I wouldn't be sitting there fucking laughing about it. Like that's not funny for one. Right. So I think that definitely shed some light on why Nate is so fucked up. I mean, he's still a horrible person and I don't feel bad for him, but you can kind of see like his dad's a piece of shit. And now you see his mom is too. And as Mm -hmm. far as like the drinking and stuff, I, I got the same vibes from the, uh, the, the mom or whatever that Maddie was, um, babysitting for like, okay, is she trying to, whenever she's like, let's get drunk and go swimming. But the Mm -hmm. more they talked, I kind of just looked at it more of like, not necessarily a big sis, little sis thing, but maybe I'm weird. My parents, when I was younger, we'd be drinking at the house and it was right. kind of normal. Cause I think most of them are kind of close to 18, but it was just one of those things. All right. Y'all are going to be out doing it anyway. So we'd rather you just be at home and safe. So I really didn't think that was too big of a deal, mm-hmm. but, um, the, the babysitter lady. Yeah. Like I figured she saw Maddie up in her closet and stuff like that, but they did act like it was going to be a really big deal if she found out. 
and then come right. to find out, she just gives her the dress. But I did get those vibes too that she might have possibly, you know, was trying to turn her out or something. Yeah, a lot of people are getting like grooming swinger vibes. Like, you know, like have Maddie be the unicorn for like her and her husband. That's the vibes I kind of got. But yeah, you're definitely right. You know, everybody parents different. And I know parents when I was in high school who smoked weed with their kids, who drank with their kids. Um, you know, like I know a lot of parents who smoked and drank with their kids, actually. And to each its own. You know, it's not for me to judge. If your mom says it's okay for you to just be, you know, drunk off your ass at 16, that's, I guess, y'all's business. <laughs> you know, me personally, I don't want to drink with my kids. I don't want to smoke with my kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? What they do with their friends is one thing, but I don't really want to be like kicking back shots with my kid. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's I just me. Say, I will say that my mom to this day, um, has always said one of her biggest regrets, this is like a whole different conversation, but one of her biggest regrets was like getting high with her kids. So mm. I mean, that goes to show, yeah, it might not be a good thing to do. I guess maybe a learning experience. But when I saw it happening in the show, I didn't really think anything of it when it was mm -hmm. like them with their parents. But I just back to the conversation with Nate and his mom, I think it definitely shed some light on like, you know, maybe they're your average middle class family, but he's got some shitty parents. Yeah. And you know what I also caught? I don't know if y'all caught this. When she was saying that she didn't like Maddie because she felt like Maddie would be trying to set up Nate, like, you know, trap Nate with the baby. And I'm like, bitch, uh, kettle meat pot. <laughs> Did you not do that to the daddy? Because the daddy, let's keep it real. He was, you know what I'm saying, gay, had a whole little boyfriend. And all of a sudden she got knocked up. So it's almost like she was projecting what she did to her own husband, Cal, onto Maddie. Yep. And I, f I have a hard time believing that her, you know, 10-year-old son stumbled across these discs and she never did. She never had any right. clue. There was no red flags at all that he was getting down the way that he was getting down. Yeah, I'm sure she knew, but you know. Back then, it was like, just hide it. It's unacceptable to speak about it. But yeah, I'm, I, I know she knew. And then the way he flipped out and was like peeing on the floor and all that mess, had his peeing out in front of his kids. That whole situation was just weird. Just weird as hell. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on some more callers. Um, let me go ahead and bring on Marquis. Marquis, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey, T. Hey, Marquis. How y'all doing? Good. Um, okay, so I wanna I took a couple of notes. Um, so the first thing I have a problem with is a lot of um stories that just there were no ending, you know. Um right. like this is the second this is the second season that they literally ended the finale with something happening to Fez with the police and we don't know what how it ends. And with um to me, that's a problem because of the fact that he was a fan favorite since the beginning. And they keep trying to play him as a B character role when, I mean, y'all literally started the season with his story, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then the whole, I, I literally came into the green room when you were talking about Ashtray and how you think he's a psychopath. I honestly, when I was sitting there and watching it, I'm like, he has no empathy remorse no right. he, he's it, dead behind the eyes it's more of it, it he don't even have a sense of authority you know what i'm saying like 
your brother you have he he loves fez and he you know he mm -hmm. respects him but for the longest the all he been saying all season is trey no ask trey stop quit boy stop no quit don't kill him don't don't hit him <laughs> like that's all he been saying off that's all he been saying to this boy and he has not been listening so now when it gets to a point like okay now dude i'm gonna have to now take the rap for you you're like oh well no nah, fuck that shit we all going down you know what i'm saying and it's like now you done you done got me shot up you done kill you like there's no stopping. They're they're sitting here guns blazing. Even when the door was open and he saw Fez laying on the ground, that did not stop him at all. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And so I I agree. That's what I wanted to say about that. I agree with you about him being a psychopath. Um, another problem for me, um, and I love the show, but another problem for me was the ten thousand dollars that Rue, um basically didn't come up with you know like mm -hmm. that's another storyline like what's going to happen with her like she, what we had two episodes or three episodes after the fact that she actually escaped and got away and Lori ain't come knocking on no doors right it's you like know, everything just been left in limbo right like you made but the thing about it is when they started the season they made it seem as if these goons that lori got is nobody to play with they had the white boy with the long dirty hair um sitting there cleaning the guns they had that white man had everybody stripped you remember that mm -hmm. so it's like okay so yeah uh we're gonna be busting it wide open by the end of the season for some white man who done bought her you know what i'm saying because of the fact that lori's not playing so it's like how does she how was she able to escape and so she just got free with ten thousand dollars like it just and we gotta wait two years <laughs> to figure it out so yeah, those was my problem. I'm glad Maddie beat um Cassie uh Cassie's bootay. I'm glad of that. I was um, that. Nate, I don't understand the revenge part. Like, yeah, he hurt you, but are you going to jail for raping who you raped? Are you going to jail for putting a gun and playing roulette? And on top of Maddie, like what is the train of thought here so are you free of all your sins now because you put your dad away it's just it don't make sense <laughs> it doesn't make all sense. right well thank you so much for calling in marquee it was good talking you to you welcome i love you all see y'all later all right love you too sis let me go ahead and bring on uh camille camille go ahead and unmute your microphone Okay, Logan. I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Okay. I wasn't sure where to press. I think maybe I don't know. That's slowing me down. But you know, I'm here for for all the piping hot tea. Hey, T. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, Emily. Now, I already told you in, a, in one of the zooms about how when you guys did that um, deep dive into season um, to you know the season two episode five. I mean, which now looking back was like a doggone action hero movie um that that sparked my interest and i watched damn every episode in like a in like a week so then you have like the next three episodes were, were kind of you know uneventful after that but um i am kind of sucked into the show now um 
And one quick thing I wanted to note. Um, okay, so Lexi, I mean, I'm trying to they do make her seem like an innocent character, but it's like if your sister is getting all that ass and you're kind of like the student, it just makes you look innocent. But you know, she's probably low key jealous and everything else. And that that they wouldn't let a play like that expose and all these little teenagers' business fly in real life. Right. Um and even the care, I guess her name, I think that's Maude Apatow is Lexi in real life when they do um, the little after show catch up. Mm-hmm. She even said like, yeah, Lexi knows she's kind of being messy. Like, you know, she's trying to say, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody, but you know, you're exposing everything. And it almost was kind of like a cry for help to like kind of get her and Rue back closer. But I did like how the other caller was like, um, it's just, you know, the, the play was our lives and maybe it was kind of like how the dad's death, um, you know, you know, just was a sever to their, to all of their, their tight friendship and made them grow up. But it was, mm-hmm. I, I actually liked how they did the, the weird real life dip in, um, to the play. Um, cause you kind of just kind of use your own interpretation as to whether that's really in the play or whether the characters are like reflecting back to like, you know, what actually happened or whatever. Um, okay. But I see, I don't even remember Elliot's, um, uh, song being that long, but it might be yeah, because folks were not here for his song. It might be because of you and you and um and Emily, but I'm like I just don't I just can't stand him just because you know how you guys presented it, and and I'm starting to think that maybe at least I first thought that he had went back in the house and grabbed the suitcase because where is the suitcase? <laughs> right, I refuse believe that was flushed down the toilet. Mm-mm, no no way. way. Elliot and my mama splitting that money. Somebody got that damn suitcase. I mean, because did the mom even... If the mom saw it, I feel like she'd be losing her shit even more. But somebody has to know what's going on with that suit. They can't just leave it open-ended like that, even though they have so far. I like the episode after... Yeah, season um, episode six, where, where Rue was kind of sitting there, like, sober withdrawing, and and um, Ali came in the house. That was so sweet. And they, they kind of gave the sister some shine because you know her like you guys mentioned in the previous podcast her life is being ripped apart too you know Mm -hmm. exactly well thank you so much for conning Camille we're gonna go ahead and take on some more calls all right love you all right love you too (laughs) bye bye let me go ahead and bring on uh let's see here Elijah Elijah go ahead and unmute your microphone oh my god that's so exciting okay sorry hi (laughs) hi Oh my god, I'm gonna stand up for two seconds. I've been watching forever. Um, so uh, I'm gonna start with I'll say I enjoyed it when you were talking about Fez and Ashtray. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that so with I think Ashtray is the way that he is, just really dead in the eyes. He has no upbringing basically. Um, mm-hmm. Fez is kind of his uh, only father figure per se, so he doesn't have any one to really shadow for any emotional check in or any ideal of basically how to live life correctly. So he kind of just follows what Fez does. And I think that's um, that's kind of why he just lacks emotion or empathy and understanding. Mm-hmm. And um, as for Lexi, yes, Lexi. Um, I think, so for, there's that scene where um, Cassie just loses it and she's on the stage and she's, she kind of she goes off on Lexi and she says that you have you haven't lived the life basically you haven't uh, you have no life that you haven't had any um, experience, and then it goes through those scenes where um, basically she's kind of had this, sort of the same experiences that everyone else has had but she's 
foreshadowed in the background of everything, like the the dad passing, and with um, um, also Rue's dad passing. She was there at that funeral. You know, she's kind of just been there in everyone's um, lives and everyone's situation. She's kind of a, what do you say? I guess foreshadowed everyone's um, existence per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the play was definitely more or less dedicated towards Rue. But then it's like, we're going to throw in a bunch of messy stuff, too. But I think that's really what inspired her, because Rue's life is just so in shambles, you know, throughout this season. And we're watching her highs and, you know, her lows and things like that. Because I think that's what really sparked her to go about doing that. Right. And um, I'm re- I just I literally just got done rewatching season one with my cousin. He hasn't seen it yet. And you can kind of, as you go through that season, you can see... Um, someone said that earlier, one of the callers said that, uh, the, that said that Rube didn't, that Rube doesn't want to get sober. I think that she does, um, because at the beginning of the season, there's this part where she, uh, t- she's in the bathtub with her mom. Cause she like gets like this, uh, this kidney pain or whatever. What was it? It was, um, kidney, kidney infection, right? Because mm-hmm. she wouldn't go to the restroom. She wouldn't pee. And then she's in the bathtub. Her mom's bathing her. And she says, I think I need to go back on medication. And it that kind of resembled to me that okay this is not something that she ever really wanted to do or wants to this is not a way she wants to be but because she has all that anxiety and the OCD and um because throughout the entire episode the mom's talking about how you have to kiss her left cheek and her right cheek on her forehead it's about balance and stability and I think that because Rue seeks that so much or she craves that within her I think it's not really the drugs per se but there's this stability that she keeps trying to stay a uh, chase sorry hmm that's very interesting well thank you so much for calling in Elijah you made a lot of good points all right so we're gonna go ahead and um Bring on Marilyn. Marilyn, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello, can you hear me? Hi, we can hear you perfectly. All right, all right. Uh, first off, I want to say I'm a big fan. I've been watching you since high school. Right now, I'm a junior in college, and okay. oh, I'm, so, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, thank you for calling in. Yeah, no problem. But um, I wanted to say something. So about um, that one episode that um, Rue was in her breaking point. And mm-hmm. she was um, she was trying to like she was um, it was when she was getting off the drugs or well, was forcefully getting off the drugs um, when Zedeo's performance was really good. Um, <laughs> um, I wanted to say that um, I wanted to give advice to people that are high school seniors and anyone that's in college, whether you are a freshman to a super senior and you, you know, obviously in college you get roommates and stuff like that. I want to tell you guys, if you have a friend or a roommate that is a drug addict or likes to do drugs, go and snitch on them. Go and snitch on them, you know, because I had a roommate like that last semester. And luckily, she did not get to the point of what Rue went through, but she was heading down that path. And Mm. and you could like literally I was on edge all last semester. I was fearful that the police would keep knocking because me and my other sweet mates, we were all people of color. You know what I'm saying? And you know how the police is about, you know, drugs and us and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of my other friends that don't live with us were like, oh, well, you know, you know, you know, her home life, you know, her situation. I didn't want to snitch on her. 
But if I were to go back, I would have snitched on her the second time I had seen her do some sort of stuff because she was one of those people that would talk out loud about her addiction and be like, oh, when I took eight tabs of acid or, you know, the one time I took meth or whatever she Damn. likes to do. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And, you know, I was always on edge and she would and even like sometimes I would give her rides because she didn't have a ride because she was because where I go to school, like there's not like Uber and Lyft is kind of like it's, it's really trash over there because of like, you know, it's a small town. It's not a lot of people. So she came from Pennsylvania and she doesn't have a car license and I would always be on edge because I would think she would have like drugs on her sometimes. And I was afraid to get pulled over as sometimes she would ask me to go to the city that I, I come from. And, you know, because she met this guy on off of Facebook dating or something like that and be like, oh, I know this guy up there that, you know, can give me drugs and stuff like that. It was crazy. And I was telling her, no, like. I cared so much about my livelihood, you know, so I, I just want to tell anybody that's in college, anyone that's a high school senior, please, please, if you have a roommate like that, sweet mate like that, please, please, please go snitch on them. It doesn't matter their home situation, because at the end of the day, your livelihood is very, very important. And one more thing that I want to point out is that remember when Rue was like stealing and stuff? Um you know, everyone like I've seen on Twitter was like, oh, that's not realistic. That's not the real thing. But it's realistic because I work at a Home Depot and the Home Depot I work at, the town that I like go to school in, they have a drug problem. And a lot of the people that come and steal there are people that are like drug addicts. You could tell even today I went to work and there was someone strung out on heroin. You know what I'm saying? So that stuff is for right. real. And you know, I want to let, you know, even young people realize, like, look, this stuff is for real. And I know I'm just a um, college junior about to be a senior in August, but like this stuff is for real. So I just want to tell everyone, please, 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 it, you know, be a snitch. It doesn't matter. Be a snitch because your livelihood does matter. But I, anyways, I want to let other All people right. talk. Um, thank, thank you for coming in Maryland. Up front. Yep. Thank you. Definitely. Bye. These drugs, Emily, that people are using nowadays are a trip. Did she just say meth? Like it was weed? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And, you know, well, hell, meth. Uh, Maybe because where, I don't know if it's where I live or whatever. (laughs) But, yeah, no, meth is very common because I've said this for a long time, like, just for people who don't know. So MDMA, which is Molly, it is methylindoxy methamphetamine. It is you're doing meth. When you do Molly, you're doing meth. So a lot of mm. people that start So if you want to get judgmental when they hear the word meth, but then they'll pop a Molly thinking that it's something, you know, more glamorous. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure there's a Pick your poison. I don't know the chemistry. There's there's a couple more things in there, but it's pretty much meth. Like back when I you back in my heyday, um, a lot of people talk about, Oh, I would do ecstasy and do this, this and that and third. I'm like, I would have just I'd rather just do meth because when I would do really good ecstasy it just felt like I was doing really good meth because with ecstasy, <laughs> it was kind of like luck of the draw. You didn't know what you was going to get. Sometimes you get some that were real caffeine based, some that were, they just, you just didn't know. You didn't know what you was going to get. Cause I mean, hell, these people are pressing these pills in their bathtub somewhere. So mm-hmm. I just rather, which I mean, that's kind of a 
contradiction because a lot of the way people make meth, you know. But anyway. Remember what I told you a long time ago when you had a conversation about drugs? And I said, I never understood like this arrogant hierarchy because at the end of the day, like, you know how we were talking about people who like snort coke versus like crackheads? <clears throat> and like crackheads are seen like, you know, bottom of the barrel, you know, like the worst people. But when you think about it, cokeheads do a lot of shady shit too. Oh, Just absolutely. because you're snorting it, some of the biggest scammers, liars are cokeheads. But because, yeah. you know, coke is seen as more glamorous and a party drug, people are quick to judge a crackhead. But I always feel like, you know, it's just about you picking your poison. Any, You can be addicted to anything from food to, you know, chocolate to shopping. You can have all types of addictions. And I just always hated like the whole drug hierarchy thing. Like, oh, she does crack or she does, you know, E, but I do Molly, I do MDMA. And it's like, if you can't function unless you have it, I don't even care if it's weed. If you can't function unless you have to be high every day and have a blunt hanging out your mouth, like every hour on the hour, you're an addict. And that's just, just what like, it is. Just like how Faye, <laughs> when Faye got Rue together in the back of that car when she was doing that heroin. And, you know, I think she was being, Faye's just Faye. But I think she felt judged by Rue. And she's like, hold up, bitch. You ain't finna judge me for doing heroin. You're doing fucking, what she say? You're probably eating that ginger's ass for oxys. It's the right. same thing. Like, right. if, if you're doing 30 milligram Percocets or 80 milligram um, OCs and stuff like that, that is synthetic heroin. It is the same thing. It'll put you, I mean, well, it's technically the same thing. And a lot it of is. southern states, the the heroin isn't as pure. So that's why people get into the pills and stuff like that. So it's it puts you through the same withdrawals. But for some reason, people that are strung out on them, you know, uh, oxys and pain pills, they're like, oh, no, I'm not on heroin. I don't do heroin. Like, they're yeah. better. It's the same damn thing. They all come from the poppy plant, sir. I've had to tell a few people that. Like, no, you're you're an addict just because you're getting your poison from a pill as opposed to, you know, snorting it or getting it off the street. It's still a form of, you know, drug abuse when, it, when it's all boils down to it. And it's just very interesting, like how many young people, you know, they're like going all the way now. It's yeah, not even about just smoking drugs. weed. Early. Yeah, they're they're doing like super hard drugs starting in junior high. It's That's really crazy. So I'm going to bring on a few more people here. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and bring on Rejoice. Go ahead and unmute your mic. Hi, T. Hi, Emily. Hi, everyone. Hey, hey Rejoice. So I want to talk about Nate. And T, I know I told you that Nate wasn't my favorite character after I think like episode six. Mm -hmm. Like after episode eight. I've been thinking, and now Nate is in my top three of favorite characters. I told you. <laughs> Y'all try to judge me when I was like, I don't know why yes. I have like a low-key, weird crush, I want to save Nate, mothering type thing towards him. Don't yes, I want to yeah. <laughs> save Nate now. I've been thinking, and the way that Nate is written, he is written... I feel like he has like some type of split personality disorder, especially because after he had that conversation with his mother and he was like, I don't remember. Like he kept saying, oh, I don't remember being mad as a kid or I don't remember this. I don't remember that. I feel like he is having blocks of memories, you know, throughout his years for some reason. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, the way the mother described him versus how he saw himself was two totally different things. Yeah. Like, Nate literally feels like is acting like he's the best guy ever. Like, he didn't hit um, Maddie at all. Like, he's such a loving boyfriend. But and he is none of that. So I feel like for some reason he has like some split personality disorder that's undiagnosed that he don't even know about. Yeah, when we say that we like Nate as far as like, because we were like fan favorite, oh hell no. <laughs> the reason why people, why there's like a sub, you know, a subset of us who do like Nate, it's something about the way he's able to basically bear his soul cinematically on camera. Every yes. now, like I was explaining on Zoom, every now and then he'll look into the camera with his big brown eyes and you'll see like an innocent child. It's, yeah. it's something yeah. about him it's, and it just, it tugs at my heartstrings where I feel like, oh my gosh, I need to rescue Nate from this crazy family and this honestly. crazy life. <laughs> it's something about his eyes, y'all. He has like sad eyes and it just, remember I, I remember when I texted you, I was like, oh my God, I think I'm like falling for Nate or I want to save him or something because yes. the way he looks into the camera where it's like you almost forget that he's done like all this wicked stuff and then he, he still has like these boyish charms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and he's, you know, he's cute. Let's not forget that. He is handsome. He's a very good actor. He is. I didn't he's know a good he actor. British till y'all told me, because I didn't watch the after thing. But Yes, if you watch the after thing, oh my gosh, he is British. And I was like, wait. I think they said he's from Australia, because when I called him oh. British, the Aussies got mad, honey. They, uh-uh. He's, uh, he's, he's not British, but I guess I, they I all sound know. the same. They he's sound similar. My bad. No, he's Australian. They're saying in the chat. And oh, he's Australian. Five. Look, and he's Look. Six five. And, and he's six five. Look. <laughs> 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 I can't stand the chat. Not <laughs> six five, y'all. You can tell oh. he's a, he got the best body and the best height on the show. That's why there's like this yes. whole subset of people who are like, we're so torn because we know Nate ain't shit. But when he looks but, into the camera, you kind of want to forget all about that now. <laughs> like, like Nate, what he he ain't doing nothing. Oh, I intelligent <laughs> and he's very good at reading people's character. That's one of the traits I really like about him. Like when he called Cassie on her bullshit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. He got her together. So that was that is one of the things I really like about him. How how smart he is but i don't know maybe i'm just more team fez fez is the fine one for me but <laughs> no i i have jumped on the team nate back bandwagon fez is still my 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 favorite he's my top top favorite but like then yeah. is nate and i just feel like something it's like his childhood i feel like i wish we got more about like his childhood or something because something went on to make him the way he is yeah definitely somebody called somebody called cassie lovely cassie and showed a gift of her boobs bouncing (laughs) (laughs) that's supposed to be me running after nate talking about lovely cassie They are messy in the chat tonight, honey. But we on that call, so yeah. Now, all y'all in the comments, don't tell me that when Nate was being all sad and moody, okay? I think in either season seven or season eight, when he was going crazy, y'all did not feel something for him. Do not tell me that. 
They're like, nope. <laughs> y'all, y'all are best. Y'all have no heart. Y'all have no soul. Because when I realized all the things that he was going through, I was like, damn, that makes sense. And I started, <laughs> I started reevaluating his whole life. And I'm like, you know what? He's not that bad. You know, he just, he just, he just needs to get help. He good. Just somebody get him a therapist and he'll be fine, okay? And also stay away from Maddie. He just wants to have a family. He wants to get married, have kids. Like, he not that bad. Nate is a narcissist. He is bad. But I just think because he's fine, he got that height. And then when people watch the after show and that accent hits you, that is why people are so torn over this snake character because they keep conflicting his shitty character on the show they with his have. real life character. Yo, like these snake battles are so funny on Reddit because when I, I just, saw, I'm torn. I am, and it, what even torn me more was when I um watched the act. Like I saw a clip on Instagram. Um, where the actor, Jacob, he was saying, yeah, I would, honestly, if I saw Nate in person, I would beat Nate up. And I'm like, damn, how is he playing this character? Because (laughs) yeah, he's a great actor. He definitely is. He's a great actor. All right, Rejoice, we're going to go ahead and take on some more calls, but thank you for calling in, sis. You're welcome. All right, bye. Let me go ahead and bring on uh, Alex. Alex, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Right. So I'll keep this brief. I think what's happening here with Nate is that similar allure with like the the Virginia Tech shooters, Richard Ramirez, like all those dangerous types mm. in the real tall that people can't help but feel sorry for. They have these real sad backgrounds mm. that just draw the girls in. And I think this same thing's happening with Nate because he's very much giving sociopath. He's giving school shooter. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised next season if we see something of the sort. And I called in to talk about him because I agree with the last caller. I do think something happened to Nate. I do think he's blocking things out. I don't think sexuality repression is the reason he freaked out in the first season. Like he lost his mind. And mm-hmm. I think it hints to something a lot closer. A lot of people online were saying, oh, Cal on top of him, it means nothing. Or it's just a metaphor. I don't know. I guess we'll see. You made some good points. I didn't even think about that because it's a lot of like subliminal stuff in this show. So the fact that you said that this character is written because Nate has caused like great battles. (laughs) Okay. On social media, because there's a a section of people who really have fallen for him and they feel bad and they want to help him. And then there's the other sections, like he's a sociopath, ethnate, you know, and that's really cool that you brought up the fact that even in the real world, look at all the women who are fawning over people like Ted Bundy, Richard Mm -hmm. Ramirez, Chris Mm -hmm. Watts, who killed like his Mm -hmm. entire family. Exactly. You know, yeah. That's a really good angle. I didn't even think of it like that, that that's really how he's written. Because, again, you'll go from, like, hating him in certain scenes, and then he'll just look at the camera, and they'll pan towards his eyes in a certain way. And mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, poor Nate. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's all I had to say, but thank you for having Definitely. Thank you for calling in, sis. I- Emily, she made some good points, right? She really did. That was a really, really good angle that I never even thought about. And I think that Nate has like almost kind of like Cassie in a way. Maybe that's why they click. But it's almost like he has this fear 
of like being alone or he has to be loved. Cause you notice like there's Maddie, there's um, Cassie and then there's Jules. And so within, in that scene, he went from Maddie who he terrorized. Then he went to Jules and then he went to Cassie. It's almost like he, he's, has to be loved or he has some weird feeling of being alone in a way. But yeah, no, those are great points that she made and great points with Joyce made about maybe he's like blacking certain things out. Cause he kind of does. Sometimes he seems to have a lot of self-awareness of how shitty of a person he is. And mm-hmm. then sometimes it's like, he doesn't. Yeah. And people are like, Oh, I can't believe somebody likes Richard Ramirez. He was a serial rapist and a killer. You'd be shocked at how many like, these like serial killer guys have all types of fans and women wanting to marry them. Charles Manson was probably even more popular once he went to prison than even out on the real world. He had a whole following of people. Yeah. Like who just in love with him. So that is very interesting that they kind of wrote Nate's character like that. Because like I said, initially I couldn't stand him. I'm like, yeah, he's cute. He's tall, but he ain't shit. And then it's like the seasons went on it's like you really start to like feel like empathy for him in certain situations, you know, but then he'll ruin it by putting a gun to Maddie's head. And then the next thing you'll love him again. Cause he's given that video, you know, that recording to Jules. So it's like that constant yin and yang, that constant confliction with that character, Nate. And that's how it is with a lot of these characters. I mean, even if we yeah. take Rue, the main character, for example, you know, there's times I want to just beat her ass and, you know, where's my belt? She's so disrespectful <laughs> to her mom and her sister. And then, then all of a sudden, another part of her will peek through and you feel bad for her. And it's like, then you remember she's an addict. So that's not even necessarily Rue acting out. It's the addiction. Yeah, and I think that's very just relatable in life in general. I mean, that's why, like, you know, just say different theory, uh, uh, shows and stuff like POV characters, uh, not to keep referencing Game of Thrones, but it really gave a different angle of people and why they tick. So just in real life, like you might know someone not super well, but they might come off as a shitty person. But everybody has a backstory as to why they are the way that they are and they have bad qualities, but then they also have redeeming qualities. Yeah. (laughs) There was even a a subset of women who were in love with with Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones. I couldn't believe it because he scared the shit out of me. But there were women who really liked him. It's, um, well, I watched a movie a while back. It had the guy, the really fine cop from Squid Game um, in it. And uh, anyways, he was a serial killer. And through the whole movie, I'm thinking, damn, he's fine as hell. Not even thinking he's a serial killer. But yeah, no, there's, I, I don't know what it is. It's definitely, I'm sure there's a lot of psychology that goes behind it that I'm not qualified to even like touch on. But um, <laughs> it is interesting how a lot of times women are attracted to like these really crazy abusive men. I don't know if it's the dominance that they seem to have or what, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm going to go ahead and take on some more calls here. So let me go ahead and bring on Logan. Logan, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, T. <laughs> and it's not Hi. just men. The men like him, too. The men oh, like okay. Too. <laughs> so the men are feeling Nate, too. So uh, so you understand where we're coming from, that confliction with Nate? Absolutely. And it's funny because in, in I think back to my own experiences in life, in high mm-hmm. school, I was attracted to the dad types. 
right? It's like, oh, you know, you spent your entire life in the closet. I feel so bad for you. Let me sit over here. And it was funny because I, I go back to that scene where um, the dad was in the motel room with that that um, little gay boy, where he was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I'll take all that pain. You know what I mean? That that you felt over, you know, all of your life and whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it works like that in the real world too. And it's like, I can think back to so many experiences where, you know, I've been in those kind of positions, right? It's like where you want to nurture this person who's like going through all of these struggles and through all of this trauma and to just give them that kind of relief, um, just even for a second. But usually it always comes back to bite you in the butt, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, and the same thing with Nate, right? It's like Nate very much like was, you know, reminds me of an ex that I had in college where it was like, you know, wants to come off as this really macho, really, you know, butch guy when it comes to the girls. But, you know, you look at it from the outside and it's like, you just dressing up all these girls like Barbie. You know what I mean? I'm just like, okay, (laughs) we did the same things too. But, you know, we were sitting over here living our truth. Um, So I understand the appeal of of innate, right? Because it's like a a lot of people use that, right? They use that sympathy. They use that that sort of pain to really sort of show their vulnerable side. But sometimes it's like, it feels like a trap. Like, you know what I mean? Just to get you in, like, and to think about Maddie and Nate's relationship, where it's like, he used his vulnerability and used the fact that Maddie had that pain to kind of be like, oh, okay, yeah, we can connect. We can connect. You see, we're, we're not all that, you know, different, but they are very different, mm-hmm. right? It's like Maddie's trying to heal and trying to move on. And, and when I was, um, when we had talked about, you know, the relationship with the older woman and Maddie, the, the girl that she was babysitting for, you know, I think that um. older woman was groom- grooming her. You know, grooming her in a sense of like, oh, you know, this is going to be your life or this is what can be your life. You know, like if you play your cards right, right, you'll sit over here and you'll get this dress one day. Right. But you're going to have to be kind of smart about it. Right. It's like in the sense of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. she got cameras all over the house, you know, kickback, whatever, whatever, because it is it's like really inappropriate. Like, why would you know, why would you be at a, a, a soccer game with, you know, the person you're babysitting and all of this other stuff. And it's just interesting how adults will groom certain people in all different types of ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, you know, mm. but for me, I'm, I'm more concerned about the, the suitcase because HBO is pulling <laughs> this little thing. <laughs> I'm like, there is no way I don't know no dealer on this earth that's going to sit over here and shy away from $10,000 worth of product gone missing. You know what I mean? She she showed up with necklaces and she said, she straight out said, I'm not a pawn shop. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, where's my, where's my money? Uh, So I, but you know what? I think it's an HBO tactic. They use this for a lot of their shows where they'll sit over here and keep them open-ended for the next season, you know, kind of cliffhangers so that we can sit over here and, and, and sort of get ready for the next season. But realistically, Mm -hmm. now that Fez is going to be in, in, um, in prison, basically, my thing is like, you know, Rue doesn't have anywhere else to go to get a fix. So she's right. gonna have to see lawyer. She's gonna have to see lawyer again. Right. She don't have no dealer. So mm. I wonder how that's all gonna play out. It's gonna be interesting to watch. But thank you so much for calling in. It was really good talking to you, Logan. No problem. I love you too. Love you too. Bye. End of-
uh, season two, she was like, I stayed clean for the rest of the school year, not like I had a choice. So I wonder if maybe that had something like with Fez not being around. And obviously, one thing, though, I will say on the show, usually when you're a drug addict, drug addict, you have like a phone full of people. So I have a hard time believing that just Fez and Lori were the only people she could get drugs from. Plus, I thought at one point, didn't Fez cut her off? But mm-hmm. they got into it. Yeah, I just piggybacking off of uh, his point, though. I, that is interesting with the Lori and Fez, so. It is. Let me go ahead and bring on um, Juicy. Juicy, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello? Hi. Can you hear me? A little bit. Can you turn up your phone volume? Oh. Hello? Okay, that's better. Okay, thank you so much. Oh my God, I'm so nervous. Oh my God, (laughs) T.I. Oh my god, you are my queen. I just want to say, oh my gosh, (laughs) this court family, what's up? Oh my god, anyways, thank you. This show got me so, oh my god, all over the place, but I want to get straight to Jacob. And just to reiterate what the previous caller said about, you know, America's serial killers like Charles Manson, uh, Richard Ramirez, or um, I can't remember who, um, just those. Mm -hmm. Jacob is going to be America's serial killer. He reminds me of John Wayne Gacy. Now, if I don't know if anybody know who John Wayne Gacy was. Is Jacob Nate? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm completely. Because we're like confused. Like, who's Jacob? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm referring. I'm talking about Nate. Okay. Because the chat, all I see is who? Nate? <laughs> okay. So you're saying his real name, Jacob. Okay, cool. Jacob. Sorry. He's like John Wayne Gacy. If anybody knows who John Wayne Gacy is, he was the most prolific serial killer. Um, He was from Chicago. He murdered up to 33 men and boys, and they're still counting to this day. And Mm -hmm. he was very narcissistic, manipulative, a liar. He was very smart, very intelligent, and charming. And not just that, with John Wayne Gacy... And I know some people say with, um, um, excuse me, with, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm forgetting that, oh, he might be sexually repressed and this and that. It could be that he's sexually, rep- um, rep- um, sexually repressed, but also I feel like there's some truth when Jacob, it was disturbing when, when he was watching like pornography at a young age and he said that he was having nightmares about sexual abuse I do think yes pornography can have can really change a person especially being exposed to that at a very young age Mm -hmm. but also the fact that um sorry the fact that I believe Either his dad or a family member sexually abused him, and because and the and the fact also his um the mother 
the both of the parents were they're just bad the fact that the mother is very um how should i say especially the mother she's complacent and she likes to pacify a lot of things because when one thing that really stuck out to me the most is when she said before you used to be so happy and so cheery but when once you turn 12 you completely turn dark and i'm like as a if you're a parent and you see some kind of change in your child that is going dark or 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 maybe it's abnormal i you have to be proactive like have them get counseling and seek help but at the same time she didn't care because she only got with cal i mean sorry the Mar- marsh of the mother got with cal because of the lifestyle because when in one of the episodes cal was in um he was living in a nice zip code i believe it was either upper middle class or rich or or he was rich because his father owned a business she only got with him to definitely secure that bag but also to spite um Cal's secret boyfriend because in one of the episodes um Cal and the boyfriend were talking about uh sexual experiences and he was saying oh you know I ate her groceries and this and that and the and the boyfriend was like you're such a pussy and this and that and when they were going to a wrestling match there was uh the um the boyfriend and Marsha had this uh what they call it eye eye contact exchange and you can tell that she was very uh upset yeah she felt the way Mm -hmm. she felt away because of how close they were you know maybe she didn't know he was gay or not maybe she probably found out later but she only stayed with cal just for the lifestyle and um and for you know the money and, you know, she's not the only one. A lot, and I'm not trying to offend other people, but men and women sometimes stay in a relationship because of the lifestyle and the income. And another thing I wanted to point out in the last episode, I believe it was the last episode or not, but um, when Jacob was in his father's office and and he was holding on to one of the little architect models, and people were wondering, oh, why hasn't, he, why did he snitched on his dad and this and that? Because Jacob wants to inherit, in, 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 excuse me, inherit that um, his father's business company because Cal owns the town with all them apartments and his business ventures. He wants to inherit that money. That I believe that is probably the real. Uh, the reason why he snitching on his dad and because he wants that in um business and well thank you so much for calling in juice you got to get to some more calls but it was good talking to you too thank you have a great night bye-bye you're welcome good night let me go ahead and bring on raja raja go ahead and unmute your microphone oh my god so you said my name right Hey. <laughs> hey T. Hey Emily. It's so good talking to y'all. Um, first off, I want to say I love when y'all do like joint podcasts. Like it's like 
y'all perspective like is really great um thank you so much but i wanted to talk about um nate and like his dad and y'all were saying like how y'all feel like he was molested like i never looked at it like that but that was an interesting point i kind of looked at it as like you I i don't know if you remember but you talked about porn and how it had like a a mental impact right on um on you and stuff like that and i think that's where that dream sequence that nightmare comes from because he was like exposed to it so early like at eight that's like a traumatic experience especially like seeing your dad like roughly having sex with somebody yeah, that's it wasn't like off. this normal missionary sex it was exactly. like really brutal and derogatory and stuff it, like that mm-hmm. exactly like it was like brutal like he was saying wider and like doing all kind of crazy stuff so it's just like being exposed to that sex at such a young age traumatized him so like i feel like that's why he resented his dad and like he also, you know, wanted to inherit the business. So that's that's the part of the storyline of uh, the last episode that I didn't get. Like he wanted to inherit the business. And the whole point of him supposedly going to get the tape from Maddie was because he didn't want Maddie exposing that because nobody wants to buy a home from a pedophile. Right. But then mm-hmm. you give it to your dad. You give it to the cops to put your dad in jail. So what was the whole point? Like I, like everybody was saying, what was the whole point? of him doing all that to Maddie if he was going to do it anyway. He could have just left that girl alone. Like, right. it was crazy. And it was, like, a lot of uh, open, like, no, none of the storylines were ended. Like, that stuff with Lori, honestly, I love Rue, love her to death, but she should have got pimped out or killed or something behind those drugs because <laughs> <laughs> that shit is not going to fly in real life. Like, I was on Twitter when I saw the suitcase and started doing the drugs. I'm like, Man, if something serious doesn't happen to rule with behind these drugs, I'm gonna have to tune out because this is this is just becoming too much. Like I don't know what's going on. And then like like he does with a lot of storylines, he just didn't finish it. Like mm-hmm. and I really like we haven't talked about Rue and Jules since like do you think like when Elliot told Jules that Rue was on drugs, was it him? That she had sex with and cheated on Rue with? Because I didn't catch that part. Was I who who had sex with Rue? Cheated on Rue? Uh, you talking about Jules and Elliot? Yeah, like, I think... Yeah, I believe they had they had hooked up. That's oh, why everybody okay. was so mad at both of them being fake and coming together against Rue for her drug issues. When one, right. Elliot, she met him in the laundry room doing drugs at a party. Right. And, you know, Jules was introduced to Elliot via Rue. And yeah. knew how, you know, the feelings that she had for Elliot. So it was like for them to hook up, that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Yeah. And I think Elliot was like trying to manipulate Jules in that situation because he kept telling her, oh, yeah, you're cool. You're this, you're that. But I'm pretty sure Rue already told you all this. And then like him, I feel like him telling Jules that Rue was on drugs was not to like inform her. It was just like, okay, this is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back so I could get to Jules. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it was like very manipulative. But they didn't even expand on that storyline. I'm just like, what the hell? Like, why bring up a storyline if you're just going to leave it hanging? But I know you got a lot of callers to get to. Thank you so much. It was so great talking. Definitely. And thank you so much for calling in, sis. Appreciate you. 
Um, let me go ahead and bring on Jose. Jose, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello. Hey, Jose. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So you've been catching up on Euphoria. I know that's all everybody's been talking about. I have. I have a. I have a love hate relationship with the with the with the show. I do think it's beautifully filmed. I think it's has an amazing cast. I think it's really cool. But I really do think that like some of these kids should not be watching this shit. Mm. There's a lot of agendas. Let's talk about it. Like it reminds me a lot of like Recovery Road, Degrassi, Skins. It, there's always been these shows with like teens doing drugs and partying and all that. But I do think that there's a lot of agendas being pushed. I think it, it, I think it is glamorizing toxic relationships, toxic friendships, um, just that really dark-sided part of like love as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand it's also raising awareness at the same time, but I don't think like honestly we we've all spoken about how kids aren't consuming the same way we used to consume things. Like we would see something and be like, Ugh, or if we knew someone did drugs. Like I remember in high school, we all did drugs, but bitch, you better not let nobody know. Yeah, there was like a shame. Like you exactly. didn't go around bragging like I'm so fucking high, I did eight zannies or whatever the hell kids is doing nowadays. It's like people were very low key with it. Like a lot Absolutely. of people I had no idea. Yeah, until I got older, like, damn, I didn't know she was low-key smoking crack in the bathroom, but okay, sis. She mm-hmm. still got an A in math. But it's like nowadays, <laughs> everybody's bragging about what they're doing, and it's just so weird that it's such a it's so open now. And it's almost like people will shame you if you even shame somebody. Like, how dare you judge them for taking eight Zanny bars? Yeah. Okay, well, I like, just don't want them to overdose in my kitchen, but go out, sis. Yeah, yeah, you're fucking up the vibe. Right. <laughs> I, I also think that the show, even when it comes to the music, the music is, they use producers, they use people who are really, really, like, on the on the underground, all of the, like, even season one, they put a lot of, like, really great music, and I feel like they're doing all, they're using all the things that get us hypnotized and get us... Like even that purple lighting, that blue and purple lighting that's like in every ad and like just like the like these teenage kids are wearing like Alexander McQueen strappy heels to school. And like it's just so unrealistic, but it is the reality that kids are living in They're, They're like I really don't understand how someone could be in an abusive relationship in high school, but. My friends went through it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and and also just the fact that it's on HBO. When I was growing up, HBO was like the porn channel. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It was Taxi Cab Confession, Sex in the City. Um, all of the, all just, it was just more grown. And my nieces and nephews watch. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think it's so crazy to me because as soon as like the HBO channel would be at the motel or like even when you we would get it online, like on, on the TV, like you switched it so fast because it was like a bad thing to watch. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing because maybe that's why some of us got fucked up sex lives and shit. But I don't know. I, I think there's a there's a greater picture and I think there is positives and negatives to the show. But it, it yeah, does definitely a glamorization of a lot yeah. of stuff. You know, even the relationship between Maddie and Nate, you see a lot of people even saying relationship goals. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, no, it's not relationship goals. Both of them were toxic in that relationship. Nate mm-hmm. definitely way more than Maddie, but Maddie as well. You know, the insecurities and the being disrespectful and popping off. There was a lot of toxicity in their relationship. Um, and it's even, I don't know if you guys saw the viral video came out maybe a few weeks ago where they were all on stage. So they're taking like fan questions. And so all of a sudden somebody speaks up from the audience and this person they, their voice sounded like the voice of a 10-year-old. And Zendaya is like freaked out, like, oh, no, no, no. You shouldn't be watching the show. Where are your mm-hmm. parents? So the fact that she is freaked out about younger people yep. watching this lets me know that low-key, y'all know y'all are pushing an agenda. Y'all Absolutely. know that this should be for more mature people. But let's be realistic. Half the parents don't even know that this show is going on until like yep. people like me and others speak on it. Cause I mm-hmm. had no idea about Euphoria until Rejoice was telling me about it. And Rejoice is young. This is her age group. And so I go to talk to my kids like, are y'all watching Euphoria? Yeah, we're on the second season. I had no idea <laughs> I had watched the first. Okay, uh-huh. well now we need to have a conversation. So, you know, these kids know about this stuff. And so it's very easy to say, well, not my child or my child is too young to watch it. This is one of the most trending topics in all the schools. I even talked to teachers like kids in junior high, sixth through eighth grade, they are watching Euphoria. So they're getting a very screwed example of life. Like you said, the average kid is not walking to school in Alexander McQueen. They're definitely glamorizing drug use because you see Rue one moment drugged out her mind, but then you also see Zendaya, who is Hollywood's favorite good girl, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, a lot of conflicting And it's messages. so it's so easily consumable as well. Like yeah. if you think if you even think of the people of color on the show, they're very consumable. Um the white people are all like ex- like above average and gorgeousness. It's just very consumable and it's it's kind of freaking me out. It's like triggering all the, like the things like serotonin or like it's just a very triggering show whether it be a bad trigger or a good trigger. It's 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 definitely activating shit in people's minds. But that's all I got to say. Okay. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Jose. You made a lot of good points. (laughs) That's a Uh really good point I never thought of was the because that shit does kind of mess with you. The the music, you know how they always do that weird like they put that one song on and like it's really melodic and the the Mm -hmm. lights. It's almost like a trance in a way. Yeah, they're posting gifts in the chats with the purple and blue lights when they're doing the parties. And yeah, it is. And even um, somebody just posted a gif. Remember when Maddie was in the mirror and she was like, I feel like I would look so sexy pregnant. So again, it's like those little things and that they do and say in the show that kids eat up. Like, hell, well, I think I would look sexy pregnant at 13. 
you know? You know, that's another, another good point he made about everybody being so consumable. Even, like, the plus-size girl in the show, she's got a shape. She's really pretty. Like, she – everybody is very, very consumable, which I get it is TV. But um, another thing – I don't know if this is just me, but, like, do they – do they don't have a dress code at their school because when I was younger, I could have never wore any of that shit. They wouldn't even let spaghetti strap fly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I remember one time, cause child, you couldn't tell me ducked hoodie. I was trying to be the dark skinned Aaliyah. You know, back back in my yeah. day, crop tops ran. Okay, so absolutely, crop tops, and the low cut jeans. jeans, right? Yep. With the low cuts, all that stuff. So I remember in eighth grade, me and like one of my friends, we had went shopping at the Mall America. We got like matching cute little crop tops. And they were the kind with like the little low button down shirt. And it was similar to something that we saw Salt and Pepper wearing in the What a Man video. Mm -hmm. So we get the little outfits. And so I had a black one and she had the white one. And we wore it to school the next day. We're walking through the hall, just like Maddie and uh, Cassie. Child, the damn principal was like, you two. Over here, now, put on your jacket. The rest oh, of the day, yeah. we had to wear our coats. Like, they weren't letting us just walk through the hallways of Washington Junior High with a crop top on. What y'all think this is? Yeah, they wear their dress after every day. I felt like they were, li like, I literally stayed in a shirt. They would make you wear this <laughs> big ass 3XL shirt that Yo. said, I violated the dress code. <laughs> And I would sometimes try to get the pink one just to be a little bit cute. But, yeah, no, they the, the shit they're wearing, that did not fly at my school. I don't know if schools now are different, but, like, them girls come to school dressed, especially to Maddie. The nines. Maddie kills it. Yes, to the nines, honey. And it's funny, though, because even now, like, at my at my son's school, I know he probably gets tired of me. You know, I ain't got to take him to school now because he got his license, A, for me to be able to sleep in. But every morning, I'm just literally amazed at what I'm seeing these kids wearing to school. Half of them look like they just rolled out of bed. Y'all love to wear pajamas this generation. I don't know what that's about. They wear pajamas as, like, their dress code and Crocs. And then you'll have the other half just going to school in, like, these super short shorts super short skirts and mind you we're in minnesota i'm like people are wearing short skirts in the middle of winter yeah so yeah it's cold as hell it's, right it's crazy when i like just see the kids walking in half of them don't have a jacket on no hat i said see y'all got it good because y'all getting dropped off by y'all's parents we didn't have we didn't get no drop off we either had to walk to school or take the city bus. You had earmuffs gloves a scarf you look like a damn abominable slow man by the time you got to school See, I'll These be wearing. Kids the car fresh. <laughs> I, I see a lot of kids around here because you know it's hot as hell here in the like mm -hmm. dead of summer, walking around with hoodies on. And I'm like, aren't y'all hot? Like that was one thing I was wondering. Like, why do kids now always wear hoodies? So it's weird. It's different there. But yeah, the dress code on the show is definitely unrealistic. But I, I didn't know if maybe just kids dress like that these days, and schools are okay with it. And I'm just mm -hmm. old. Somebody says I used to get in trouble for wearing the one sleeve look. I always came with a jacket or a backup shirt because I knew I'd get busted eventually. I wore heels every day too. Yep. Yeah, the school oh, back then were more honest. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 part every time I see that meme or that gif of uh Cassie and Maddie walking with the matching outfits, it's so funny because it reminds me of my homegirl in the eighth grade. It was like we just yeah. knew you could tell this shit. She had on the I white one, I had on the black. The cute little outfit principal was like, both of y'all, 
over here now. Jackets damn. now. Damn, <laughs> could have got away with the report for you haters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hate <mass> teachers. <laughs> All right, let me go ahead and bring on a few more people. We're good. Oh, wow, it's already not. Oh, my, how long have we been out here? It don't even feel like it's been that long. Oh, wow. We're at two, uh, yeah, we're almost at two hours. Okay, so we're just going to, we're going to hit two hours. We'll go to about 930. The show is going really good. We have like over 800 people in there, in here. So thank you guys so much. Um, let me go ahead and bring on uh, Milky Way. Go ahead and unmute your microphones. Hello, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you perfectly. How are you? Okay, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I just want to say a couple things. Um, I absolutely love you. You're so intelligent. You have like it all, beauty and brains. Everything, yeah, all the all the videos and everything, always good topics, good points. So thank you for what you do, first of all. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so a couple of things. Um one, I have a, I have two sons, I have a 20 year old son, and I'm probably about your age, um, and I have a 14 year old son, and I found out he was watching it, and so I was kind of shocked, um, and a lot of his friends are watching it, and so we had um, lots of good talks about it. Um, I was in a, I was in a couple of really bad car accidents, and so I see being an amateur doctor. And a lot of the stuff that... Yeah, we can't hear you too well oh. you're moving around. Okay, let me stay in one spot. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Okay, I'm going to stay right here. Okay, okay. so so um, I was in a few bad car accidents. Um, I see a pain management doctor. And a lot of the stuff that was going on with Rue, and I, I hate to say it, it's, it's real embarrassing, but I mean, it, it's realistic, right? So um, I have to take pain medication. I have legit pain, right? Mm-hmm. And I've gone through, I mean, not so much like what she's gone through, but I understand the withdrawal and stuff like that. It, it's awful. So, um, you know, remember when she was in the in the tub and that lady gave her that injection because she was so sick and she mm-hmm. didn't care what it was. She was just like, give it to me, right? Um, I've never done that, but it, it's just crazy because these kids are watching this and it just scares me because it's like, would they try something like that? And if they try it, like if their parents have it, and I've thought about that because I have my medicine bottles, but I, I started putting them in a like a, a safe, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about it and stuff. Um, and remember when they get that, that guy, bald guy, he gets through the uh, fentanyl, and she said it was like the best thing ever. And um, is my phone doing that again, or can you hear me? No, we can hear you now. Okay. Um, Okay, so when he gave her that fentanyl, and she was like, that's the best thing ever, and she loved it, and we have so much of that fentanyl going on right now, and that really scares me because when these kids try it, because it's so easy to get right now, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that 13-year-old kid died in the school bathroom. I don't know if you heard about that. This was recently? This was recently. He was 13 Mm -hmm. years old. He died in the school bathroom because he took... Uh, fake 30 and they went to his house and they found like I think I think they said like hundreds of bags full of them so my guess is he was probably selling them at school mm. um, and that all, that's all it takes right so right. I'm, it just is scary because if these kids are hearing oh it's the best thing ever you know better than 
you know, anything that she's had, would they try it? And that would be a lot of kids dying. I mean, um, my my cousin, she was only 19, and that she she died. She's never done anything before. She tried it one time, and she she bought a fake oxy 30, and she passed away. It seems like everybody's dying from the 30 milligram oxys. Yeah. Like even in the Twin Cities, most of the deaths. One of um our he's like an older family friend. I don't know what he was thinking, but he ended up getting a fake 30 and died. This was like in December. You know, so it's hitting people old and young. That's why it's like at this point, if you're not getting it from a doctor's office, it's not even worth it to chance it because those fake 30s are taking a lot of people out. Exactly. And they look so real. Um, yeah, they, they do. It's really hard to, to tell. And that, that's really scary, you know. So I had to have a talk with my son, like, please don't ever try it. Have you seen anybody at school with them? He says, no, um, we live in Arizona and Fountain Hills. But I mean, you never know. It's everywhere. Right. Everywhere. And and um, they just it, it's just really scary. Um, but yeah, um, oh, it's, it's very triggering for me because I'm watching her do this, take pills and I'm like, shit, kind of made me want to take one of mine. You know what I mean? And I'm like, mm-hmm. if, if it's making me feel that type of way, I'm sure it makes other people feel that way. You know, definitely it's, it's scary. And, and I'm really responsible with mine. I mean, I have to, you know, do UAs. I have to do a pill count, send it to my doctor and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it's just, it's really scary because it's so true. Everything she was going through is so, so real and so true. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for calling thank in. Thank you. Way. It was good talking to you. Okay. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. She made some very interesting points, Emily. Um, yeah, really did. Yeah, it it's it can be very triggering, and I think as parents, you have to have that very honest conversation with your kids, and especially when you do have like strong pills in your home because due to pain. And I know that's a conversation I've had with my kids since they were little, like literally from the time they could talk. You know, like these are mommy's pills. Do not touch them. Do not open them. If you take them, you'll die. Like that was like, I didn't sugarcoat it with my kids. So they've never been tempted to touch my stuff. They know not to touch it because it's that fucking strong. And that if you take it because you think it's candy, you're not going to be here anymore with your mom and dad. You know, I just, I speak, I just, I don't know how to be gentle when it comes to that because I love them so much. I don't want anything to happen to them. So yeah, that's how I was speaking to them at five. Well, hey, I do the same thing with my son, not necessarily with the um, with pills, because I'm not I don't take. Well, I don't have any. When I took him, it wasn't prescription. But, he know, when it comes to anything that's dangerous or just if we talk even at a young age, he's well, I keep saying five, he's six. But anyways, just how dangerous, you know, drugs are and things like that. And I think she made a really good point when she was talking about how Rue, he pretty much made her do the fentanyl. And she's like, this is the best feeling ever that does kind of glamorize it in a way to where, you know, kids look at that and they're like, Ooh, maybe I should try, you know, she just did a tiny little bit. Maybe if I try a tiny little bit like that, it, you know, it, it definitely glamorizes it. And, um, I know she had also was talking about how she was taking 
pain medication and had dealt with withdrawal and stuff, but said she was a little embarrassed. One thing, which I know everybody's different, but I don't think anybody should ever be embarrassed about any experience they went through. And there's a lot of people in the world that deal with chronic pain and it's not something you can control. That's what pain medication is prescribed for. It is for people who deal with chronic pain so they can live some type of normal life. So that's definitely nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed. And it, it happens when you're on something, you know, just like antidepressants, you're going to form mm-hmm. a physical dependency. And if you run out, you'll get the damn brain shocks. Like it's, it's just part of it. No, definitely. And that makes so much sense. And that's why you have to be responsible, you know, with how you use it. Because remember, Lori said that's how she got into selling drugs because she was in pain. And then from there, she went on to sell to people. But it's to the point now where it's not, it's not that simple anymore. You don't know what you're getting. So yeah, your dealer can say, hey, you know, I stole a script from the doctor's office and that's how I got all these pills. But technically, you don't know who pressed those pills because they're not giving you the prescription bottle in somebody's name. You're getting a bag full of whatever. And that's what's, you know, really affecting a lot of kids now is that they're not understanding the dangers. And so when they're seeing it glamorized, like even when they were at that carnival and all the kids were there and remember, um, what was that? Cassie and Maddie, they had got the mollies from um, Ashtray when they were getting like their funnel cake and stuff. And then once they took it, you saw how they were having more fun and being super loose. So yeah, you have that way where they're like definitely promoting it and making it seem like it's really, really cool. But they're not also talking about the consequences which we're facing in the real world with kids. Yeah, they just wanted to take a Molly and have fun with their friends and they never woke up or they died in the school bathroom. It's really yeah, sad. No telling, like she said, it's very hard to tell the difference. You don't know what's in that shit. And a lot of kids, you know, also in the show, it showed a lot, you know, Rue stealing people's pain medication. Another thing, you're prescribed a certain amount. And like you and I talked about before, these pharmacists are on some bullshit half the time. So these kids are going into their parents or grandparents' pain medication, which they're probably, you know, prescribed for legit pain. You're cutting them short. Now, the, you know, I've known, I've seen a lot of people before have to go without their medication because someone stole their shit. It's not like you can just call the pharmacy and say, oh, hey, someone stole my stuff. Can I get more? They're going to be like, bitch, no. (laughs) Right. Come back in 30 days. Yeah, I've heard that one before, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Try again. (laughs) All right, let me go ahead. I'm going to bring on these last few callers because we're getting ready to hit 930 here. Um, Leo the Libra, can you go ahead and unmute your microphone? Hello. Hi. Hey, T and Emily in the green room. How y'all doing? Good. I called you Leo. I meant to say low, the Libra. I'm sorry. That's oh that Leo in me. I see L O and I just you know, I think it's Leo. Okay, team Libra. <laughs> Are you a Libra too? Yeah, I'm a Libra. Hey. Yeah, I love Libras. So yeah, long. Libras and Leos are... get along great. I yeah, know, we do. I, both of my exes were Leos, but that's a whole nother another um, situation. <laughs> but I still love y'all. But anyways, I'm not gonna um take up too much of your time. I just wanna say Nate is the epitome of toxic masculinity to me. Mm. And I only say that because basically it's like, you know how the rest of the cast, they kind of do drugs to get over their issues or whatnot. But I feel like Nate, all of his, um, he gets a high off of just being that guy. Like, you know, he's the quarterback or something. Everyone loves him. He's got Maddie 
and Cassie, the two baddest bitches, oops, sorry, the two baddest, you know, girls mm-hmm. in their school. So I, to me, I feel like what draws him to Jules is because it's a part of him that he sees in his dad. And I don't know if it's genetic or if it's just because he saw the videos, but to me, I believe he knows that, well, personally, I don't feel like he was molested, but Mm -hmm. to me, I just feel like, sorry, I just feel like he's trying to figure his own self out, but he doesn't want to attribute that to being like his dad even though he essentially is like his dad which is why i believe he keeps you know messing with jules trying to come over to her side and i believe why she kind of entertains it in a way she doesn't like nate but she does kind of i believe feed into it because she has some own things going on with herself i remember in the in the special episode where they did they had the part about jules and the part about rue Mm-hmm. And in it, she was talking about her um, wanting to detransition in a way because of how she felt about Rue. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like both of them are kind of drawn together because they want to be they want to be themselves. But society might tell them, oh, well, you have to act this way. Remember, um, Jules got put into a psychiatric hold at like, what, 11 or 10, right. something like that. And then, of course, Nate, he's going to be, you know, all-American, all-athletic, going to put on the tough guy role to cover up, you know, what he's feeling inside. So Now, what's very like, interesting, let, let's talk about that real quick, when they put her in the psychiatric home. When they put her in there, she was a lot younger, but she was a girl back then. Like, she was dressed like a girl, because I didn't even know Jules was trans child until she was talking about be transitioning. Because I never looked at the backstory. I didn't go on the internet to figure out these characters. I just wanted to watch the show with no type of preconceived notion. So the whole time I thought it was a girl. Um, mm. a very flat-chested girl, but I still thought it was a girl nonetheless, <laughs> you know? But I say that to say, when she's in the psychiatric ward, she is a little girl to, you know, I was totally shocked when she came out and said that, you know, she was a guy, whatever. But so does that mean that they have been transitioning her when she was young? Because see, uh, you got a lot of these parents and no disrespect to anybody listening, where it seems like some of them are jumping on this. My child is trans at a very young age when their child may just not even be that. They might just be a tomboy, just more feminine. And right. that's why we've always said it makes sense to wait until kids get older. And then if they want to transition and things like that, that's their business. But it seems like when you take it back to that psychiatric ward, she was a little girl. So had they been transitioning her since she was a child and maybe now she's upset and regretting it and having all this, you know, during that counseling session, talking about she wants to detransition and go back to being a man. Yeah, that's, I mean, you, you I don't think nobody really hit on that. Yeah, but that's how I feel. Because honestly, I think the next season, because Nate's single now, and I'm just speculating, maybe he's going to start getting, because, you know, he's single and Jules is single. Not trying to be funny, but, you know, in high school, everybody messes with everybody, especially if you've already kind of tapped into that before. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just kind of waiting to see how he'll evolve next season because he's not with, like I said, he's single and Jules is single. Not that I want them to be together because I I believe it's just going to be a hot mess either way. And Rue's probably going to get jealous and probably try to come in between that. But 
you know, I just I'm just ready for more. And one more thing, I actually enjoyed the play. Like the play scene, yeah, it was messy, but at the end of the day, it gave everybody the reflection they needed to see. So mm. I, don't know. I just I like when the stories involve all of them intertwined together, because like for four episodes, it was it was nothing. And then seven and eight for me. So I don't know. I'm just ready to see how Nate's going to evolve next season. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Lo. It was good talking to you. All right. And love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Let me go ahead and bring on Lane Wolf. Lane, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, good. Okay, good. Well, I've been going, I've been popping off inside the chat because I've been, you know, seeing everybody's comments and stuff. And also, I just... So excited because it's my first time really just talking and stuff. But um, just to give like a bit of context, I'm speaking from the perspective of an 18 year old. So like that goes into uh, just like my perspective as well. Mm-hmm. But um, when it came to like kind of like euphoria, I also kept seeing like this rhetoric of like, you know, this is unrealistic. Kids in high school don't do this. And I was like, yeah, no, I still remember being inside my high school and seeing a girl come in or seeing people come in and literally aren't able to stand or walk and then people talking to them well what's happening what's going on with you and then like i hear them talking with their friends well you know the first time i took the bars it didn't work so i just took some so much more because i just wanted it to kick in and then the friends literally panicking and stuff because they're scared that they're gonna overdose or that they're gonna get caught and stuff like i still remember that stuff going on inside my high school Mm-hmm. Or like back inside my middle school, I still remember the first time like I really even noticed like people dressing provocatively was in middle school where this girl was wearing a mini dress to the point where like it was literally coming right, right underneath her buttocks and stuff like that. Like I still remember that. And so like that's why I definitely feel like in a sense, it's emotionally realistic and also realistic in the sense of where people do drugs and stuff or they're going to these parties and they're getting drunk and stuff like that. I definitely think that part's realistic. Um, but like when it comes to brew, like, uh, uh-uh. cause that whole entire, you know, 10 K thing, I definitely feel like if anything, that was the most, that was really just really unrealistic, but most importantly, like another point that I kept seeing really on social media that I kind of just really wanted to kind of stand by was like, people were like, we don't really know how long she was inside that room because if you look at her arm, she has like all these like pokes and stuff like that from where one where Lori like gave her the uh, administrated the I believe it was what was it like she administrated to her. It was some type of drug, but basically like I just remember morphine, morphine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like. Um, I still remember people talking about, well, we don't really know how long she was in there. And then, you know, that kind of just really brought me back to like what, how I really realized that so many people were also young, young people watching the show was the amount of people that were saying, oh, well, I just thought she was helping her. I said, what do y'all like? Cause even I'm young, you know, I started watching it back in like 2020, like the first time it came out and I was like, what, 16 and then now I'm rewatching the show and now I'm 18 and I'm just seeing so much toxicity in it, you know, but like the amount of people that were like, well, like, you know, I just thought she was helping her. Like, I didn't understand 
you know, and then I look on TikTok or I'm looking on social media and they're saying that she's prostituting her. And I'm like, yes, if anything, that's what makes Lori so scary because of how realistic she is. You know, yeah. human traffickers aren't just, you know, men now. They are starting to peek onto the fact that women are less likely to trust men. They're going to go after, you know, older women who have like this protective vibe. And mm-hmm. out and of that human trafficking, it can happen anywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be like a drug situation like Rue. I mean, you have a lot of older women. Think about it. That character, the, the woman who um, Maddie babysits for, she gives me human tra- trafficking vibes. Like if she wanted to, because she's living a glamorous life. She knows Maddie's coming from a broken home. You know, her father's an alcoholic. And Maddie obviously looks up to her. And that's where that grooming process comes in. And you even see like on Instagram where these Instagram models, quote unquote, um, some are models, others are prostitutes, will slide into the DMs of young girls and they're recruiting them now. You know what I'm saying? For them to now be quote unquote Instagram models and they think that they're just going to be modeling and, you know, wearing pretty little things clothing, but instead they're being pimped out at these different Hollywood parties and stuff like that. So it's very real. Yes, yes, it it very much is. And it's just like, and I think that kind of also showed me just how kind of like, you know, a lot of people didn't really realize what was going on. And I was like, you guys have to also pay attention to what she was saying, you know, because uh, a part inside the conversation, she was like, you know, that's the that's the thing about you, Rue, is that even if you don't have money, you still have something that people want, you yeah. know. And she even mm-hmm. said that the first time like Rue came in, she was like, if you don't if you don't, you know, make back my money, I'm going to sell you to some real sick people. Right. And, you know, and so that that was one thing that stood out to me. And then also, like, just before I cut it off so, like, people can also speak as well, because I don't want to take too much time up. But, um, like, the woman as well, when you were talking about Maddie, you know, and the woman, what a lot of people don't know is that the the actress for the woman came out and literally said that Sam wanted her to be naked inside that scene with Maddie, but she didn't feel comfortable, so it didn't happen. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sam wanted That's her. What I'm to- saying Sam is pushing some really weird stuff in this show. Exactly. He is a creep. He is like a full blown creep. And it's crazy because like with the amount of nudity, especially Cassie's character, like it's at this point, I'm either seeing her crying or she flashing me. Right. And, mm-hmm. you and know, even during the play, somebody yelled, show us your boobs. I'm like, exactly. Really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then what's crazy, like, Sydney Sweeney, the woman who plays Cassie, even said, yeah, like there was supposed to be even more nudity than that, but I had to ask him to take it out. Wow. And I was I mean, like, I get that it's HBO. Yeah. HBO is known for nudity, but again, realistically, these characters, even though they're adults, quote unquote, in the real world, they're playing children. Exactly. And it was just like, and it's just kind of just mind boggling to me as well you know, like what's going on. And it's to the point where even Zendaya herself had to literally put in a no nudity clause inside her contract. And that's part Mm. of the reason why when it comes to Zendaya's character, when it comes to Rue or any type of character, you will never see her naked because she literally puts that inside her contract. And one thing we also have to consider is that with us, we're just watching this play out and we're only watching it once. When it comes to directors, they have to watch and film these scenes over and over again. And so it's at this point, it's like you're having Cassie play like this underage girl 
who's like completely new over and over again to the point where it's starting to make me question, you know, your character at this point. And mm. one more point I want to hit on is just like Kat's character as well. They completely like Kat went from being a main character to being completely forgotten about. And part of that lies in the fact that Barbie, the actress uh, who plays Kat, is supposedly behind the scenes beefing with Sam because he wanted her to have an eating disorder this season. And she wasn't going for that for her character. And mm. this isn't the first time he shut people out. When it comes to McKay's character, apparently, like, um, McKay was like, the person who plays McKay, he was like, yeah, like, I don't know what's going on with that, but it seems as if, you know, my character was really just used for Cassie. Like, and I'm like, because I didn't even have seen him at all. Exactly. And he got raped in the last season. And then he just panned to Cassie afterwards. And I'm just like, that's, and so that's why I definitely, I definitely at this point, I <laughs> I just saw somebody say something about Rusha show them biddies too. But um, at this point, I'm definitely like, I just want him to have a writer's room because I do not want this to end up like Game of Thrones. I do not. Like that season eight, I was so pissed with season eight. I do not want this to be like Game of Thrones where he doesn't really, um, uh, McKay got raped because I'm seeing comments as well. But yeah, yeah. so it that's definitely gave Game of Thrones vibes with that very last episode because a lot of people yes. were disappointed in it. But it's, thank you so much for calling in. You made a lot of really good points. Thank you. It was amazing being here. Love all the work you do. Keep up the good work. Love you too. Thank you. Love you too. Emily, for her to be so young, she was hitting them points. Yes, and she noticed a lot of things that, um, you know, just about, you know, that we had talked about where she was talking about um, – Oh, you can uh, pay with other that like little, and she's spot on. I never even thought about it like that. But Sam is a creep, like the whole Cassie thing. Because I bet you they ain't gonna be playing Lexi like that. Because you know her, her dad is. They ain't gonna play Lexi like that. But yeah, Cassie. The, it's like what you just want to see her titties all day. Because that's a really good. And then like, even yeah. even with Faye, remember I told you Faye's a porn star. Yeah, and he found her doing a euphoria porn. So what you mm-hmm. doing, Sam? So when kids go to Google Faye, because now she's a fan favorite, that's my little conspiracy. I told y'all that like two weeks ago. Like when kids go to Google her because she's funny, she has these one-liners, she has this weird look, these weird lips, and they go to Google her, the first thing you see is her like, you know, literally taking it up the wazoo. So it's very interesting, okay. even the people that he's casted. But yeah, Faye's a porn star in real life. Yeah, and my brother told me that, and he didn't. He started watching at Euphoria after I put him on. But um, that is that's a really good point. Le- Explain who Lexi's daddy is. People are asking who's her dad. Oh, okay. Lexi's dad is Judd Apatow. He is a huge director. Um, all of the Adam Sandler movies that are like your favorite, mm-hmm. all the Seth Rogen movies, Knocked Up. This is Forty. Um, he originally wrote. It was a show that was really really popular, but they only did one season. Was um. God, what freaks and geeks. But oh, he is I remember very, freaks and geeks. Yeah, yeah. He's very well connected. His wife, Leslie, is the um she's the blonde. Your boobs will harden. Yeah, don't go to the cold <laughs> in, section. Yeah, in Big Daddy. That's uh Lexi's mom in real life, the chick with the big tits on, yeah, on um, Big yeah. Daddy. But I remember I used to hear that back then. Right. Funny. Any Seth Rogan movie. Yeah, no. The, <laughs> all the Adam Sandler movies, all the Seth Rogan movies. All those, you know, that same like group of people. What was the other guy's name? I can't remember his name, but he's kind of weird but cute. 
mm-hmm. um, that's always in the Seth Rogen movies. I can't think of his name. It's uh, anyway, he he's he's very well known. He's very well connected. Like he is definitely that dude. So they ain't going to play with him. And his daughter is not about to be up in that show showing no kind of titties. Yeah, yeah. Her her dad is well connected, you know, and she's doing a good job in that role. So let me go ahead and bring on the last few people here because it's almost 10 o'clock. Um, let's see here. Sharnivia. Hello. Hello, hi. Hi. Uh, it's Sharvinia. Oh, Sharvinia. Okay, I'm sorry about that. You, uh, Yeah, I did my first Super Chat last week. You uh, gave me a birthday shout-out. I just turned 43. So okay. thank you for that. Definitely. You're welcome. I hope you had a good birthday. I really did. I'm working two jobs, so just sitting at home was enough for me. <laughs> so what do you think about the whole euphoria situation? Okay, I only start watching this. Like, my daughter, who actually turned me on to you, let me shout out Iris, for she she gets upset. She's like, I turned you on to Lovely T. I turned you on to Euphoria. And you were only watching it now because Lovely T said so. Yes, I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> I only got into it because of you giving, you know, saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. So, I start watching it, and I thought it was really good. I, uh suffer from depression so i get Rue's whole thing with taking other drugs Mm -hmm. it's hard trying to my brain just it just doesn't work sometimes so i mean i want to be okay i started out being okay but i just all i did was give birth and it ended up to me having to be on antidepressants so i i get that i wish they would have touched more on her uh mental issues mm-hmm. i mean they really focus more on you know the reason why she's doing drugs is because of her dad yeah i mean that is an issue but i just really wish they talked more about her mental health also uh nate t you like nate Ugh. um i only <laughs> i only spoke because i only raised my hand because i was like no t no 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 nate uh, to piggy off, piggyback off of other people, uh, he does give me serial killer vibes, speaking, mm-hmm. you know, from somebody who studies serial killers, love, I mean, true crime, all that. I wouldn't say, one caller said um, John Wayne Gacy, I would have went more towards Jeffrey Dahmer, only because uh, he came from a somewhat okay background as Nate, and it just took that one thing to trigger him to start doing you know start killing people and all it was was just he was helping his dad get bones from up under the house and that's just what started him with killing along with you know that his mother suffering from depression so yeah i know and i like ashtray don't give me i mean he's another psychopath but yeah nate nate was i feel like he was 10 times worse but, like I, he's but I don't understand because a lot of people have a lot of love for Ashtray. But is Ashtray any better than Nate? Like Nate technically no, is not killed anybody. <laughs> no, Nate, no to, to be honest, I mean, I've also worked in a mental health uh, hospital where we have mostly children. So a psychopath is a psychopath no matter what age. But I just, I, I guess I lean more towards um, Ashtray because he was looking out for his brother. Even though, you know, he's an emotional killer, 
He was mm-hmm. looking out for his brother, and that's all he has. If he leaves, and you know, grandma's in there, you know, just rotten in the room, that's all he knows. But Nate is just being evil and vengeful because of the traumatic experience. I don't think he was molested. I just think by him seeing all that stuff, he probably looked at his dad at like, you know, he's my, you know, he's my dad. Cause I'm, you know, I, I'm a daddy's girl. I love my father. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that would affect me really bad too. If I seen some stuff like that. So he's probably kind of questioning himself probably because, you know, he's like, well, if my dad's doing it, you know, maybe right. I'll, you know, but that's all. I just want to be real quick and just want to say thank you and love you. I, uh, supporting you on everything now. Thank IG, you. Patreon. So I love to I see black you. women, you know, moving ahead in life and not being ratchet all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, sis. Thank you for thank calling you. It was good talking to you. You too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, she made some good points. You know, like we said, it definitely. I think if they do go on with the Nate character, he's eventually going to snap. Yeah, definitely. And one thing with Nate, um, I do, uh, with that one guy, I do think him and Jules' relationship is going to get more in-depth. But Nate's probably one of, maybe, I guess, besides, like, Kat, Nate's the only character that, now I know he's, uh, we've seen him drink. I've never seen Nate do drugs in the show at all. That's true. That is true. His his thing Very is smart. drinking. Very intelligent. I'll give him that. He ain't a dumbass. Mm-mm. So let me go ahead and bring on Deja Green. Deja, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Hi, T. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm a Leo too, so we hey. got that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the best sign. Yep. <laughs> um so for season two, for me, the writing was very lackluster compared to season one. Uh, I just found myself watching these episodes week after week. I just found myself fast forwarding certain parts because I just feel like it would just like Sam. He didn't know what to do with some of these characters because he doesn't have a writer's mm-hmm. room. He writes everything himself, which to me is not good. Like Kat and Ethan, I can't tell you not one thing that happened between them this season because I fast forward every single time. Same thing with Lexi and Fesco. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people shipped them, but I did not really care about them. The whole uh, shy, good girl getting with, you know, the hood boy, the bad boy, whatever. That trope's been done so many times to me. That's just kind of played out. The only thing that was really interesting that people were kind of tuning in for was the whole Cassie, Nate, and Maddie thing. But even then, Mm -hmm. the whole screwing your best friend's uh, boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, and trying to keep it a secret, that's been done before, too. So it was kind of like, I'm like, you had, like, what, two years, and this is what you come up with? You know, <laughs> and, and um, to get on the rule jewels and Elliot thing, because that was kind of like what I that was like the meat and potatoes for me this season, because obviously because Rue's the main character. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad Rue and Jules are not together anymore. Jules was not into Rue like that. She really wasn't. When you go back and look at season one, when she was texting with who she thought was Tyler, but it was Nate. You'll mm-hmm. see in that montage back in episode three in season one, in the beginning, how she was always on that phone talking to who she thought was Tyler. Rue couldn't hold that girl's attention for two minutes. And even when she did, she was always talking about Tyler. And then next episode with the carnival situation, when she met up 
went supposed to be Tyler, but it was Nate. You see how she mm-hmm. went to Rue's house and all of a sudden was getting started kissing on Rue and started giving her that attention. Rue was kind of like just a comfort for her. She was a safety zone for right. her. A rebound. Mm-hmm. And 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 what was so frustrating for me with um, Elliot's character, because a lot of people were already giving him smoke before the season even started. They're like, why is Sam Levison bringing in this male character to come in between these two lesbians? Jules ain't no lesbian. She's not no lesbian. That girl's had way too much pain to all of a sudden just one day be like, oh, no, I'm done with men. I'm just going to be with women now. No. She's too used to being sexualized by men to all of a sudden not want to deal with them anymore. And Elliot was kind of proof of that. When you saw how he was flirting with her, her whole mm-hmm. demeanor just shift to like you could tell on her face she was ready to risk it all because here he is. He's cute. Um, he's comfortable with his sexuality. He's, he doesn't mind that she's trans. That's He was kind of like Tyler a 2.0 a little bit in human form. She actually found somebody that she could see herself with. And that's why she was so quick to sleep with him after they dropped Rue off in the middle of the uh, highway, wherever it was, in the dark mm-hmm. by herself. High, might I add, too, which was trash of them to do. So it was like, no, they're that's. No, they were never really good for each other. And also just another thing, too, when I would see people tweeting about Elliot specifically, why people were saying that he's not a drug addict. He is a drug addict. He was doing doing drugs. Yeah, he was doing he wasn't just smoking weed. He was doing coke, benzo, no, he was doing all the drugs Rue was doing. Now, he might not have been as deep in addiction as Rue, but he was a drug addict. Right. That's why she slapped him and basically called him a hypocrite. Yeah, because and even when in the in the in the last episode when she visited uh, went and saw him to forgive him and he mm-hmm. asked her, Are you on anything? And she said no, and then she said, Are you? He said, Yeah. He's still doing drugs, even after all that stuff that he saw right. went through. So it's like, uh no, he is a drug addict. So stop trying to stop trying to play. He is a drug addict. He just hasn't been cut off from his supply. He, like had like she's been before. He's never went through withdrawals and stuff like well, that. He supplies that big old suitcase he done came up with. <laughs> that's where his that's his new supplier because he yeah, sold that then, suitcase. And then just one more thing in the suitcase. To me, when I was looking at that finale, I'm like, so when she said she stayed clean for the rest of the year, I said, so Lori didn't come and collect for her money. I said, she just letting you just off scot free. I said, uh, I don't know. I don't. I've never been around any drug dealers, but I don't think they would allow somebody to just not pay up, you know, especially when you're talking like $10,000 with the drugs. I'm like, she just let, so nothing happened to her. She just, just got away. She just got off. Like, I'm like, and then, and then the episodes in between six and seven, she would just act like, like, I'm like, you're not worried about how you're going to pay this woman back. You're just chilling the whole time. You're not trying to figure out how you're going to get this woman her money. So you think this woman just playing with you? Like, it was just very unrealistic. That part to me was. I agree. Well, thank yeah. you so much for calling in, Deja. It was good talking to you. Yes, you too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay, so let me go ahead and bring on Cool Cat. Cool Cat, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hello. Hello, hi. Hi, T. I'm so nervous. <laughs> don't but, <be. laughs> um, I don't know. Um, you asked me to speak, and I don't know if it's because of one of the comments you saw that I made. Yeah. And, you know, I just kind of said that I don't think Nate was S.A. or anything by his dad. 
just because of that flashback that he had. I think that it was just kind of like he felt violated in some way because he was so young and, you know, that did take a lot of his innocence and it does kind of traumatize you. I think I never been through anything like that, but probably Mm -hmm. something similar, like relating, but not as deep, you know, so I could only imagine and I don't know, he's probably the character I hate the most, but the one that I'm understanding the most. Yeah, it's definitely a love-hate relationship for a lot of people with Nate. Yeah, and I see that because he just treats everyone like shit, but then you see what he's gone through, and it's just, I don't know, it's a lot because you can't put yourself in that position unless you've been in it. But Mm -hmm. he can definitely change. I hope, like, something happens and he gets help, you know, because this show is great. And I think it just needs to show, like, the consequences and also show, like, how you can resolve some of these issues. Because in some ways it is realistic. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, thank you for calling in and stating that. Yeah, no problem. I love you so much. You rock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. Thanks for calling yeah. in. Thank you. All right. Let me go ahead and bring on Ima- Imani. Yes, ma'am. Imani. Imani. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Okay, so I have a few things because I'm nervous and I've, I've been listening. Um, So I want to say for the, the scene with Nate violating his, uh, his dad violating him, Mm-hmm. What I've gathered with him was it's the lack of control. Like his dad has always been the person in control. And I think it was him finally feeling like he was out of control because his dad has always been in control in every part of his life and Nate's life. And so when Nate found out about the tapes, he kind of felt kind of out of control. And the whole thing with Cassie and Maddie, he felt like he was out of control. And so that's why I think he did what he did when he set his dad up. Um, another thing that I... um. I kind of gathered with Sam Levinson and in Hollywood in general. I mean, I'm 20 years old. So I, I grew up watching all these high school movies. It's their obsession with teenage sex lives. Like I, I, I just can't comprehend it. Like this hypersexuality with teens. And he did another film where he was called, I think it was assassinations, nation, something like that, where about high school girls and some high school girl, her news got leaked and the whole city was trying to kill her. It, it was like a whole thing, but I am just so, it's just so saturated in teen sex. Even like the new um, Gossip Girl, Riverdale, it's like, it's constant. It's like, okay, we already know what's about to happen. Like, you know, you, you, you kind of feel that a little bit. Um, and it, it just gets really tiring. And uh, Yeah, they definitely are exploiting that teen aspect. And I think a lot of shows and movies do. Um because it's like the last forbidden taboo, right? Yeah. You know, the whole barely legal. And so how can we get away with it with having adults in these situations? Well, now let's just peek in and just see the teens are doing this. So it's not mm-hmm. like that whole, adult, like, you know, back in our day, well, not back in our day, because even, even before me, but Brooke Shields, you know, her being in a lot of those movies where she was dealing with adult men or Jodie Foster and Pretty Little Baby and, and all those shows. And I think because a lot of that stuff is frowned down on now, right? With yeah. adults being seen in intimate situations with kids, 
So with Euphoria, they, they're able to kind of spin it by showing Blue Lagoon. Thank you. Um, by showing kids getting with other kids, because I was just surprised at how, you know, it's one thing when you're dealing with a teen movie, usually it's like a lot of, you know, kissing and, you know, they might have a romp, but there's like, you know, sheets in between them. But it's like, I'm literally watching characters who are playing teenagers having full blown oral sex. Yes. Female and male. Yep. And another thing I um kind of wanted to bring up as well is like when I was in school, like so like um the whole vape thing, you know, it was kind of like quote unquote safe, and um people were bringing dap pens, and if anyone doesn't know what a dap pen is, basically kind of like a vape, but it's melted um THC or marijuana, and um I never forget this incident where this one kid, you know, he was a um a child of the officer. And he flipped out, he stripped his clothes off and he was freaking out. And I'll just never forget like how quick all that happened. And I real and another thing too is like the I guess it's to look cool, I wanna say, because I literally was in class with kids who um who couldn't literally like go out five minutes without wanting to go outside to, you know, take a hit from their vape or something like that. It was like the constant, the need of it. And it's just, uh, it's like a, such an epidemic of it all. And I just, oh boy. I, like every time I see the show, it just kind of brings me flashbacks to high school. Like when some people say, oh, it's not like that. Yeah, and I get it. To some extent, it's not. But when you really look around you and you're like, wow, like this is really happening. Or you might not see it, in, you know, face to face, but you see it on Snapchat. Like I follow my cousin. She's in high school now. And She's always recording videos of people doing stuff. She's like, bro, look at this. And so I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And um, mm-hmm. I did have one more point because uh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous here. Um, going kind of back to, like, the sex scenes, like, I really think Zendaya lucked up because I – because all her sex scenes, she's like maybe had like two of them, like the first season, like where that guy was on top of her. And then the second one is Jules under her cover. Like, I just I don't, I don't know. Sam Levison just gives me weird vibes. I don't know what's going on with that man. I feel like he has some people, you know, in his basement. I don't know. I don't know. But the guy, he he creeps me out. And it, it's just I don't know. It's something about him and his obsession with Zendaya because he's always got her and something that he's a part of. And I don't know, maybe it's like. Um, like Julia Fox said, like, like I'm Cap Jones. He has me as a muse. Like, I think maybe that's his muse or some way like that. So I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing with Euphoria just really gets to me. And then going back to what somebody said about the um, the purple haze, I think it was Jose. He said something about the purple haze. And um, I remember years ago, like on Tumblr, if you were there during like 2010 to 2013, even before they banned um, the news newsflash warning or not safe for work it's the constant access to nudity and things like that that i mean i mean the stuff that i've seen at like 13 like i've knew about this stuff but the access that i had to it you know people could be like no my kid whenever it's like now it's accessible and it's right it's a lot it's a lot but i'm not going to take up time i know everybody tired i've been waiting i was waiting but um i just really appreciate it and um yeah thank you for having me Okay, you're welcome, and thank you so much for calling in. Of course. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. Emily, you still there? (laughs) Okay, it is 10 o'clock. We've been out here since 7.30. 
I mean, the conversation, the chat, everything was legit popping. We have a bunch of listeners in the house. So just thank you guys. Um, do you have any last words? I just, you know, I, I can't wait to see what season three has to bring. But I don't see Euphoria being like a Game of Thrones. I don't see this going on for eight seasons. No. I think after season three, it'll probably be a wrap. Hopefully so. I think, I can't remember who it was in Telegram. I think it was James was saying that he hopes season three is like the end. So hopefully they, they make it quick, but still good and not rushed. Um, I don't think it should go on for super long. Cause I just, you know, they're all about to be out of high school anyway. So hopefully it's just like a three, maybe four season type thing. And mm-hmm. then they, uh, you know, call it a wrap, but I definitely did learn a lot in this green room about uh, Sam that I didn't know. So yeah, me too. I, I'm sad on him. I didn't know that he wrote everything. He didn't have anybody else involved in the writing process and uh, all the, the nudity stuff. Yeah. He's kind of a weirdo. I'm sad on him now. <laughs> Watch me do a deep dive on Sam. Livingston. Yes. I'm here for it. You know, because I didn't know a lot of this stuff either. So that's very interesting. And that's why we have these conversations, because we all get a chance to just learn from each other and have like, you know, just real dialogue. So I definitely appreciate everybody coming through tonight. I hope you guys had fun with me on this Good Friday. (laughs) So on that note, you guys, we are out. You guys be safe. Have a wonderful weekend. And I'll talk to you guys later. Oh, yeah. By the way, before I go, we're going to do a green room on Monday about the whole Kanye genius documentary. So make sure you guys are here Monday at 6 o'clock. We'll be here. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.